Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey pilot, you're cleared to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome back to a very special edition of Fly Cool Shit, the best aviation podcast on the freaking planet. I'm Mark. And I'm Jeff. And we are the and best. We are the best. We're powered by Lift Aviation, which is also the best. Um, the and best. we have one of the best guests on the planet that we're super happy is, is still here to talk to us. Ryan Chapman. What's up, man? What's up, boys? How you doing? How, oh, I so wish how I had an accent? What what day is it in Canada right now? Uh, probably the same day you're in, just a few hours uh, ahead. Okay. Uh, but nobody has any six day work week. Yeah, nobody has any clue where Canada is. That's what, I just have no idea. Like, how long is the flight? I mean, it sounds very international, super foreign. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. I mean, we, I mean, transparently, we're always kind of looking at you guys in the states and having a good time, enjoying ourselves because it's like entertainment. Um, <laughs> especially because it seems to be a lack of understanding of the world outside of the U.S. But you know, it's all good. We're all friends. And, uh... <laughs> you just described Americans perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to be happy or sad about that. Both. Both. Oh man. Yeah. There's so just, many just... ways we could take this podcast that I was just like thinking about like the you know, you think of Canada as like, oh, free healthcare. And it's like, right, you cut your hand uh trying to bench press a Sukhoi 26. And uh how did that go with the free healthcare? We're great, yeah, actually. So. <laughs> oh, you actually? Oh, yeah. So you should we just get right into it? I mean, well, let's sure. let's yeah. Let Maybe Ryan we'll... tell us. I mean, tell us first of all. You're on the podcast to talk about something pretty specific, and we're going to get into all kinds of different tangents because that's how we roll. But yeah, tell tell everybody. You know, aside from your birthday, the other <laughs> significant event that happened uh, recently. Yeah, I mean. I almost didn't make my 35th birthday, which was uh <laughs> uh which was exciting to say the least. But uh I'm sure a lot of people know now had uh had engine troubles in my Sukhoi 26, or I should say our Sukhoi 26, because I have a few partners that I go in there playing with. And uh it had a fail over a town in a very shitty place with very little options. And the only option I could make work was the one I ended up with. So, you know. The whole thing was very marginal, to say the least. Um, there was definitely a point, and we'll get more into this, but where I thought the only thing I could do was keep it away from other people. And if I ended up in a wheelchair or dead, then so be it. And I had to be content with that decision. So it was a, obviously a lot to unpack there, but, you know. That's um, heavy. It is very heavy. And, uh, you know, I can kind of walk through the 74 seconds of of what it was like and the decision-making process and also the the post accident you know side effects too right like there's there's yeah i think sometimes we we say we neglect that that aspect and there's a lot of emphasis on the accident or what caused it but there's little emphasis on how do you deal with something like this which yep. i think is even more important yeah yeah and there's an there's certainly an emotional component that ties into all that um you know when when uh my partner um brutally destroyed our extra brutally in horrific fashion and very purposeful malicious murder of my extra 
dude, it was eight months of like sadness. I mean, I went through, I went through basically the stages of grieving because I love, I mean, I love the airplane and it's back flying. It's not, and it's just a fucking airplane. Um, But it was certainly not, um, I I wasn't the one in the cockpit. And, um, you know, this, uh, I I don't know if maybe um, it's certainly more significant, right? Um, Well, you couldn't compete for the whole year, Mark, because of that. That and that's why I still can't compete. The airplane's just, you know, I'm just, I'm just not sure. You know, I don't want to, don't want to bend anything. You know, yeah. is it is it composite? Is it composite? And does composite bend? No. But do I want to bend? I don't want to bend something. You know, there's maybe yeah. some metal in there. I just don't want to bend it. But um, yeah. I mean, 74 seconds. That's. It sounds there's there's probably elements to that that um it was it was time time stood still and yet not enough time to do a whole lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like it, it's interesting after the, after the accident, I went to the hospital They had to check me for fractures, you know, concussions and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, when I was talking to my, my buddies about it, who were there, um, I recounted the whole story for them and it was amazing. Even though it happened so quickly, I could remember every specific detail of that emergency. Like I could break it down to, to the second almost. And, uh, I think when you go through something that stressful where where survival mode is kicking in, um, you, you do remember the finer details because your brain is just working in hyperdrive, right? And yeah, right. um, you know, the the natural response after something like that is like, did I fuck up? Did I make a mistake? But then when I when I got out of that airplane, I just remember not feeling necessarily a sense of relief, but just like there was nothing else I could have done in the situation. Like this was yeah. this was the outcome. Almost like did yep. that just happen? It happened, you know what I mean? Like, geez. Yeah, yeah, man. I still wake up every morning going, fuck, did I have an accident? No way. Like yeah, I've, I've had emergencies so and shit before, but this was different. And I think what made it so much worse is it, I you know, I lost the motor over a town. Like it was a populated town. And yeah. fuck, like that feeling, that, that uncomfortable feeling of like, if I put it anywhere here, someone's gonna fucking die. Like it was it was a real strong emotion, I felt. And for some reason going th- going through that situation like i had visions of like i remember vividly like a mother and a kid and you know some you know an old man in, in his house like he's just out there in the, in the yard right like because it was really the video doesn't do the whole thing justice because it's throwing off perspective a little bit and yeah, what i'm seeing through really my own eyes yeah yeah and, and in my human eye what i was seeing i was like holy shit i just gotta get this away from people and if you know there's a, a, there's an element um when i do a checkout um not in a normal airplane but certainly in an aerobatic airplane where i try to i try to place a, a strong emphasis on the vulnerability of these airplanes if if you run out of motor um you you don't have a lot of time you don't obviously you know high aspect ratio wings um pretty critical wings <laughs> you know they do not they they are not forgiving and and you know in the united states it's hard to get away unless you're in the middle uh, we're we're kind of always flying over populated areas and and thinking about where you're going to put an airplane down, even over a populated area. It's not a fun thing to think about, um, but it's it it does bear uh, some attention because it could happen, and it did, and you know it happened to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I've had emergencies in my career. I'm 21 years of flying. And I started flying when I was 14, and I've had things happen, but I've always managed to make it work, and I've never bent an airplane or you know had um any injuries or anything like that or life and death situation um 
but yeah, this one was just different on so many levels. It was like something that was very hard to train for. I don't, I don't know if you could train for it because, you know, to do any sort of simulated work over a town, um, it's not going to happen. This is not sensible, but yeah, uh, you know, and to, to be in that position where, you know, you're 1500 feet AGL and you're on the ground on, in less than 74 seconds. And I mean, it was actually yeah. 74 seconds from the first surge, like there were five surges and then the engine quit. So it was like really like 60 seconds. If yeah. you break it down. Well, and um, you can't, you can't train. Um, you know, I, I, I see this as a simulator instructor at the airlines, you know, it's like we get, we can throw engine fires and bird strikes and all kinds of stuff at people. Um, and we can do it whenever we want in the back behind the pilots, right behind the crew. And they, they may or may not know it's coming, but you're kind of always poised for stuff like that in, in a simulator. You can't, you can't train visceral startle response, right? Like what, what is your actual response going to be when that's kind of the last thing you're expecting we and we prepare for this stuff and we may think that we actually say hey well i'm i'm always thinking of an engine failure you're not really you you are but you aren't and when i i could imagine when that first surge hit you're like i i I could imagine that feeling you know of like oh fuck and then it's like now you're 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 switching you're putting a different hat on yeah no, absolutely. I mean, if you've seen the video, like you, you'll see how quick I am to get the nose down and get right on the fuel pump and primer. Because I thought, you know, fuel, first thing, because, you know, you need a spark, you need gas. Well, you need both yep. of those. <laughs> so yep. I went fuel primer on, you know, mags, check the mags, they were fine, cycle the throttle, and there was this completely unresponsive. So all those checks were done within like 10 seconds. And then at that point, I'm like, that's it, time to land. I got to figure this yeah. out. And yeah, a lot of power shut, in that airplane is just a huge break. You have a 260 cord prop, I assume, on that thing. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that it just must have shoved you forward. And it's just like, holy fuck. And nothing yeah. oh, yeah. not glide at all. No. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And, and like, it was, I think the calculation I did, it was close to four to one for sure. And um, which, That's I terrible. Think worse, which is worse than most. And I think what made it even worse is the engine was still running and making thrust, which is also creating a drag because it's making a disc, right? So it, it changed the whole the whole dynamic. Like, I've, I've read the Sukhoi manual. I've gone through it pretty much, you know, at length, at nauseam almost. Um, just because I want to know how the aircraft works. And then, um, you know, best gliding at things, 160, 190 kilometers an hour, which, which you know, that, that's God, quite that's a fast. variance. Yeah, it's quite a variance. But then my situation is different because now the engine's still running. It's producing some thrust. So best glide isn't necessarily 160. And yep. then, like, you have to make real-time adjustments on on something that you've never experienced before. And, like, I don't have a ton of experience in, in the Sukhoi, like, five hours, right? So... Yeah. And no, and to fair. and to clarify, that was your first aerobatic flight in that airplane, yep. right? It was. Oh, and I, yeah, and uh, you know, it just came out of important Canada. Um, <clears throat> you know, so it's it's it was like a, a it was a 12-minute uh flight uh airtime total. Um and I was heading back to the airport to come in and land. I was two miles away from the from the accident site. So How'd the flight the go, by the way. It was great. Like the first <laughs> it took me about well. I mean, it was, I mean, I'm alive, so I guess it was a good flight. Um, anything you can walk yeah. away from, I guess, right? No, I meant the aerobatics. But the aerobatics. Yeah, I mean, the aerobatics. Uh, so the Sukhoi is a different beast, for sure. Um, I, I think it re- definitely requires more from the pilot. Um, it's not a super intuitive aerobatic airplane compared to something like an extra, right? Um, but I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was exactly what I anticipated. It, it's like a... Uh, I mean, that big prop, you have a lot of torque. So there's, you know, that element to kind of get used to. But the first two minutes, I kind of, fig- I wouldn't say figured it out, but at least had a good feel for it. And I'm like, all right, this is what it needs. And then, 
you know, you practice things like half snaps and rolls and vertical rolls and stuff like that. And I, I, I loved it. I thought it was incredible. And I was at 82% too. So I know a lot of people running wide open on these things and, and, and the 82% uh, power setting was giving me more performance than the Stodica would, uh, which is insane. The beast. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, what I, the, for me, the Sukhoi is like, it's really like a big RC airplane because those control surfaces are just ridiculous. And you got to put your body into it, I think, to make it really, really sing. But, you know, I'm super excited to to fly it again. I think it's an incredible machine. And just because this happened, I don't think Sukhois are bad. Like I've had other things go wrong in other airplanes too. It's just that this is a, you know, I don't think it's a Sukhoi design thing. I think it's probably just this aircraft thing, you know, like, and uh, yeah, I, I'm not gun shy about getting back in that machine anytime. I, I think they're awesome. Yeah. Is the... Uh uh it's too early to say but what's the uh the plan are you guys is it repairable is the wing okay um are you guys going to shop around for another suit i know there was well, one can you actually Australia. before you even before you even get into that can you just tell us the damage yeah so we still have to do a full assessment that's not been done yet we want to do ultrasonic testing of the wing just to make sure there's no cracks that we're missing or anything like that um right now the the vertical stab and rudder is is done um I mean, you could take it to a composite shop, but we're actually looking for a new one. So I've been in touch with quite a few souk owners, and they've been extremely helpful. Um, the prop obviously got smashed up pretty good. The spinner's damaged. The motor has to be torn down. Have you uh, checked Craigslist? Uh, you know, you never know. Craigslist <laughs> Canada. Might yeah, have, next, might have next to the next to send me foot pics. Ad yeah. or... <laughs> Ter- Terrence so, and Philip, I heard have a vertical stab. Yep. Oh, awesome. I'll, I'll make sure to reach out and check that out. Um, hey, we'll we'll send foot picks for Sukhoi vertical stab and rudder. There you go. Yeah, that's horrible. So <laughs> that's incredibly sensitive. Um, <laughs> oh, we but no, going. yeah, yeah. I know, you, I know you guys can. Um, I mean, you guys kind of act like Terrence and Philip, to be honest. That is we true. Do. We do <laughs> a lot less public farting. Not yeah. not zero public farting, but a lot less. Yeah, we just hit that mute button. Yeah, that's it. That's why there's all those awkward pauses with your guests, eh? Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, like the damage isn't that bad based on first glance. We we just we just have to do a full assessment. Like, if there's any cracks or if the wing move, like you know, as far as landing upside down, I think it did an alright job because uh, it pretty much came right on the fuselage and the tail, and then the wing just dropped at the end. But from what we can tell, it looks alright. Yeah. So I think. The, the goal is we we definitely want to see that plane fly again. Um, and, you know, I'm doing everything I can and, and so are my partners to, 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 to actually get it flying. And, you know, we've had a lot of support from the community, which I'm obviously very grateful for. Because um, the plan for me is I want to take that aircraft to the world. Uh, yeah. that's, that was the intention. I mean, look, I'll take, you know, we'll, we'll take st- the starter of Barnstormers and I'll take that down. That's an option too. Um but you know, and the, and the real reason why I got the Sukhoi was not to take it to the worlds necessarily; it was actually to go move up to Unlimited next year. So it's it's you know it it's How sucks. Dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luke and I met a pact. We're going to move up together at the same time. Oh, so. I think my um, my favorite part of that video, the YouTube video that you did with Flight Shops, we we're talking about it on the last episode, was really really neat. I enjoyed it. But my favorite part about that Great. whole thing was when you were talking about you know you had just landed in the field and taking the uh the term sukhoi being a tractor a little bit too seriously and um 
you're upside down and you were talking about like how to get out you were trying to wiggle out and then you were like and then i tried to you know like in your really sexy accent you were like i tried to you know see if i could push the plane up and you were serious because you're so freaking steroided and jacked up that you thought you could literally <laughs> bench press a sukhoi <laughs> I was like, did Ryan really just li- like think that he could bench press a Sukhoi to let himself out of the airplane from being upside down? And I'm like, yeah, he was serious. I was very serious. I, I fucking tried, man. Like I was pushing hard. I was just pushing into soft mud too, right? So I got, I got no leverage. Yeah, it's definitely and then a mud, mud, mud yeah, for sure. Yeah, mud spot. And then <laughs> that was an airplane. <laughs> Exactly. And then I took the helmet off and then under the belts and I tried to get my legs underneath me and maybe push up my back and slip out. Um, I punched out some canopy glass too, which is why I got cuts on my hands. Um, but it was, yeah, but I mean, I was, I was honestly pinned. It, it's 1600 pound aircraft and, you know, I'm in a precarious position and, and uh, it's just, you know, I'm grateful that those guys came and helped me because I was out of the aircraft in four minutes after the crash, which, you right. know, there's, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Ryan's been in the gym. Just doing sukhoi presses the whole time from his back just to train up. By the way, <laughs> four minutes is an four eternity. minutes. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, it was. It was. That was actually the worst part. Yeah, um, I would imagine the whole thing. Yeah, it was because. Yeah, we've all seen that. It, well, and and so uh, having the the Robinson land and assist uh, was. I mean. When I say life-saving, I, I guess I don't mean that necessarily literally. Uh, thank goodness the airplane didn't catch on fire. Their, uh, you know, uh, airplane was pretty much, you know, dead in the water at that point. Um, and you were just upside down in the harness um, trying to figure a way out. Obviously, four minutes is an eternity. How? I mean, what? I, I guess it doesn't matter because they helped you out. Um, but I can't imagine what the, the what plan B would have been of trying to get out of that airplane. Yeah, did I would have been there. Did anybody see you go down? That was like driving around as well or were they the only ones to show up no so um in the video i talk about kind of my options right so um this is looking a long way of answer, answering your question jeff but when i was when once i got to the outskirts of the town i was looking at okay where do i go now like it was like a seg- it was a segmented thing right it's like get to this point and then make a decision get to this point make a decision um and when i got to the edge of town i'm like there was a green field down below but i wasn't going to make that uh, you can see it in the camera, kind of, but it wasn't. It, it just. I looked at the the profile. I would have to do something pretty dramatic, and I don't know if I would have made it and end up in the trees. Or and plus, it was like undulating uh, grass too. So I would, if I flipped over on the grass, I could have actually broken my neck because it's much harder than the mud. And then on the down the left hand side, when I'm on base leg, I saw the road, and there were cars there, and that's why I didn't land on the road. Otherwise, I would have done that. And then yeah. the other, the only option in my mind that made sense was to go on the wet, muddy field. And I could see the water from the cockpit. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm going over my back today. And I'm just going to have to live with the consequences of that. And I just made a beeline for it. And uh, so when I landed uh, and flipped over, um, I was already in communication with the R44 that was coming my way. And he actually saw the last 500 feet. Of my landing and he commented afterwards like just how steep it was the profile just he said it looked like an auto rotation um oh, wow. yeah. and yeah. yeah and uh if you saw where the where i touched down and you and you look back at the power lines that i cleared like you're like Fuck, that that that's crazy steep the picture yeah. from above doesn't really do it justice yeah so there was a car there was cars on the road they saw me and, and they stopped and they 
ran over and they helped the the helicopter pilot and his student lift the tail up so he could get out. And that was would you have done anything different throughout the whole situation um, from when the engine first uh, failed till you got yeah. out of the airplane? Yeah, that's a you know that's a hard question to answer um, because end of the day you, you, you kind of look at it you're alive the plane will yeah. fly again like that's that's the goal right so and even if but, it wasn't you know flyable yeah again. It, it did its yeah, job yeah. it protected you it brought you to the ground exactly yeah. right but when you say that like yeah 100 like i think about this all the time like and i think that's a natural response anyone who's been through something like this you're going through your head um what could have done better i mean for all the acro guys and, and girls out there that fly right we do that all the time anyway a natural our natural tendency is to self-critique and criticize ourselves and look at ways to do better. And I think as pilots, yep. that's natural too, but it's just like different in this community because of just the nature of the sport. But yes, I look back on it and I'm like, could I, I could have done this a little bit different, could have done that. But you kind of can't do that uh, after the after it's happened because it, it, it wouldn't really change anything. But in my case, what's interesting is I shared the video with a lot of people before I even released it. And a lot of experienced guys that have had accidents and they were like, there was nothing else you could have done differently because um, time was tight. Options were fucking limited in a way that also simplified things because you have less options. You're easy to make decisions. Yeah. Um, maybe like I left the, I left the the mags and the engine running right to the end. Cause it, there was a back of my mind. I'm thinking, what if this thing comes back online? I'm out of here. Right. And that, that can be a risky proposition. But what I did know is like there were other options ahead of me. So if I did lose the engine again, it's not like I was completely, you know, fucked. Like I had I had other opportunities um, to save myself if I did lose the engine because I was so close to the airport. Um, so I did think about, oh, I could shut that off and that would have changed the glide profile. But then that could also made it worse too because now less drag. What if I overshoot? What if I, you know, you just don't know what's ahead of you and these things. So um i did consider uh punching out the canopy like pulling the the canopy release but again in my mind i'm thinking like it does it didn't really make a difference because uh in a way it might have helped that's arguable um debatable because i had a helmet on so even if my head went through the canopy i was fine i had protection um so yeah looking back on it no i wouldn't have changed anything i, I think yeah. i did everything i needed to do in that situation to get the successful outcome um maybe going further back in the flight maybe i would have just you know stayed closer to the airport for the first you know 10 hours or so of flying the airplane but i was in a situation where um so a lot of you guys don't know this but in canada we can get what we call a special flight ops certificate and that basically allows us to fly right, right down to surface like if we're about doing aerobatics we can do right down to surface if we want so yeah um not like a set similar to a sac card but there is no real regulation per se it's like show us your experience show us the aircraft you're flying and then we'll give you this this certification. So um, I would have stayed at the airport, but I didn't have permission from the airport manager, and I didn't want to get violated. So I'm being, you know, the responsible pilot. And I think this is where sometimes common sense and air law don't necessarily mix. So I made the conscious decision to go outside of the zone to do the air work. Um, yeah. But that was also, you know, you can't really argue that too because that was technically the right thing to do based on how the law is written. That's what I was going to ask you was, um, how is this going to change your future with where you're going to train? Um, you obviously just answered it because, you know, Mark, myself, and it's it seems like yourself, you fly in a, a very um, densely populated area. So there's very few areas where you can train where when you do have a, um, 
you know, an in-flight emergency and or loss of power and the airplane is coming down and you, you need to land, um, you know, you, you want to be, you know, optimally uh, a runway um, or some type of uh, road that's not very active or big parking lot. But um, you yeah, for- you, I, I guess you got a, a training area at the airport and you're just waiting for, um, I guess, the right uh, certificate to uh, to be able to train uh, low level. Yeah, so the the it, that's actually not my home airport. Um, it was a it was offsite at another hangar uh, because we were we needed we don't have space at our usual airport. But at the airport I fly out of, it's actually owned by one of my partners. Um, him and his brother own it. Then you know inherited from their from their dad who's no longer around. And it's an airport and it's got a box there. So we usually do our flights there. And the plan was actually bring it to the airport um, the next day or the day after. Um, but obviously that, that didn't work out. So usually I would do all my flying right above the runway um, because especially when you get into the upper category stuff, right? Like we're flying lower. It's, it's you know, there's a lot yeah. more going on and I don't want to be thinking about, you know, where am I going to put this thing if I lose the engine at 600 feet? It's just not a comfortable feeling. Um, so yeah, usually I would be there, but this case I wasn't. And that's why I didn't fly directly in the zone and i couldn't go above the zone too much either because there was a lower cloud base um otherwise i would have done that but um right yeah brian was there any time um that went through your head of just bailing no because uh not at all because i was over a city so yeah. <laughs> i mean like honestly it, it and it was happening yeah it was I, I wouldn't have bailed um I was seriously concerned that, like, I didn't even think I'd make it as far as I did, to be honest. And yeah. I, I, I was on the back end on the LD curve, like, fucking as slow as you want to be in that airplane in that in that power configuration. Um, I mean, Jeff, I think you've flown a twenty six before, right? Like, you get slow, things get weird. Yeah, that's um, just twenty nines, and um, it's just we uh we lost a cylinder in flight one time, and um, it's you know with with. We didn't lose too much power, but you know, no. But a cylinder down makes it feels like the engine expl- is exploding. Oh uh, yeah, I wanted to rip off the motor mounts. It felt like, yeah. But like the the thing with the souks is is the prop. Um, and Ryan, you have a two, you have a two sixty, right? Because I know they make a two. Yeah, it's a two sixty. Yeah, two sixty dash twenty nine. So it's the wide cord version. Yeah, so I mean that thing, it, the Sukhoi props are just so they're just barn doors and they're paddles. Yeah, and it's like it's got a, it's worse than the pits, in my yeah, opinion. I agree. Um, <laughs> I can see and that. Yeah, I don't even know if I, I, I mean it's it's maybe the space shuttle's worse than the Sukhoi, but that's about all I can think of at this point. Um, well, interesting and, enough, on final approach, the Sukhoi's on this flight, the Sukhoi was worse than the space shuttle on final approach. I think it's like four point seven five to one for the space shuttle, and it's four, it was four to one. Yeah, well, I think and I like think the, ones, the, uh, I think the pits is is around six. You know, there's not. I don't think it's published, but you know, I think extras and pits are very similar. At least the S two C to two seat extras. Um, so I mean, you're 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 working with a significantly. I mean, one of the worst powered airplane glide ratios that i could think of i mean i you know especially in the ga world i, I mean what I can't would be think worse of anything i really can't i mean and no. then, i don't know how you were landing a souk but you know 
to put the prop full ahead until you're like over the numbers or right before the numbers. I mean, there's just no point because you're just going to carrying a ton of freaking power. Yeah. You know, to, to get yourself there. It's, it's crazy. You know, well, Mark, you flew a, um, a Yak 54, right? Yep. So that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That airplane. Um, I, I remember. So even in the extra, I mean, I use, uh, you know, uh, with a dash 15 prop, I, I use that drag to my advantage. Almost maybe, maybe uh, you know, approaching crutch status because in an airplane that uh, when I fly like a an S one that doesn't have that ability to 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 really put the drag brake on with the prop, um, I end up being fast. Um, that I remember the Yak being it, it was it was like it was like a stop stop flying switch, yeah. you know, like it it really was. And and then the, I mean that airplane went from approach speed to stall pretty darn quick to the point where like i could even see the argument of like keeping the prop at 2500 even on a go around it never go in prop full forward if, if you know I could, I could honestly see the justification of making that argument because if you got slow you're carrying a, you're carrying a ton of power and people do it you see it in sequest too people people will freaking throw the prop full forward you know a mile and a half out and then you're just hearing that freaking drone coming in oh my god yeah and you're carrying wow. you know yeah, I, I don't know. I, you mu- it must be like seriously sixty percent power uh, to to maintain approach speed. It's it's crazy. There's yeah, insane airplanes. They are insane airplanes. Like I, I mean, I, that's what I love about it. like ever since I was a kid, I always wanted a Sukhoi, right? Like it was a dream of mine. And then as as I got older, like the MX always appeared appealed to me too. But you know, when you see a Sukhoi and the value for money, you just that's that's why we went that direction. Like you just you just can't beat it. Like it's it's incredible yeah. for what it offers. But yeah, it's got some it's got some interesting characteristics for sure. Like when I when I went to pick it up, like I had no Sukhoi time. I have a lot of aerobatic time and flown lots of hot stuff. But I you know I just said okay, give me a briefing, Dell, and he emailed me a briefing, and I looked at it, jumped in, and I went, and it was fine. Like you know, first landing was fine, and then it did, the landing just got better and better. But you know, the one thing I did notice is like that that prop is a speed break and a half like if you if you're on downwind and i know people have different ways of of flying uh we're landing these these airplanes some people bring the prop back some people fall forward yeah Uh, i think it's it depends on your mission i guess and what you're trying to achieve like we operate off a 2000 foot strip so you know things are a little (laughs) bit tighter power lines on one end so you know sukhoi is actually kind of the perfect airplane for that if you're a full full forward yeah you want that you want that drag component yeah and yeah. like what when i what i loved about the suit what, what i love about the sukhoi is <clears throat> when i go full forward on the power on the prop um if you if you are looking into the turn and you're turning you know base to final and you don't pay attention you lose 50 clicks in like two seconds like you gotta be careful with your yeah. speed yep. management and you gotta be on the power um like you were saying right so then but the great thing is when you're on final approach and you're in a slip coming into land you put it in the three-point attitude and then once you're exactly what you want, you just bring the power back and it just pops down, yeah. stops right away. Yeah. Um, and the other thing also- too, I got a great question after this one, but just to close in on this, you know, the other thing too with the souks and you know, being the radio, the power, if you're if you get low and slow, you know, it's not like a like in light combing where you just, you know, boost the throttle and you get power right away. It's like it's about a almost <laughs> a second delayed. You know, no, it's you like a school time. It's like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Supercharger so kick in. Like, oh, just just add a little bit. It's like it's a, you know you don't want to get too fucked up, you know. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you, um, what do you, Ryan? What do you think was the best training exercise you've done? It could have been, you know, 
10 years ago or 10 days prior that helped prep you to do such, and I'm not bullshitting. I, I think you did an absolutely amazing job uh, putting this airplane down and, and walking away, not hurting anybody. Um, but what do you think was the best thing that you did um, to that helped you in this situation? Yeah, I mean, you just made my heart grow bigger for you, Jeff. Um, I really oh, appreciate thanks. that. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff has I, mean, I really do. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, because you know what the thing that impressed me, just sorry, to, was the uh, the power lines. Because you got you were really close to that. And I think that I don't think a lot of people really, because the video with the fisheye lens or whatever the heck doesn't really make them look like that big of a deal. Because you can't really it see. It screws um, perspective up. Uh, on the, that lens and screws the perspective of everything. Those power lines would have would have been that close. That would have been the thing that was like, "Fuck, this is this is like make or break me right now." Yep. Yeah, I actually thought my gear was going to catch. Like I, I was yeah. that close. Like I, lost I saw that. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah. Because what I did, I, I don't know if I explained it in the in the flight video, but as I got close to the power lines, I traded, uh, you know, airspeed for a little bit of altitude and minimum sink to get over those lines. And when I got over, like, because you know, as you lose there's a reduction in oil pressure, the prop's going more coarse, right? And these aerobatic airplanes. So I had the prop leave at half, and I don't know why I put it half, it was just a natural response, I guess. And then uh, when I had the emergency, and then when I got out of the power lines, I went all the way back full course. And that gave me just a little boost, like very little, because the prop wasn't going, changing that much position. Mm -hmm. um, and I got over, and you can watch the airspeed. I went to 140, which, you you know, in this airplane, you're getting close to the stall. So I, and as soon as I got over, I pushed over and I thought I was going to like, I actually went on the radio and my partner heard this and I said, shit. And then went off, uh, unkeyed the mic because I thought I was going to hit him. And uh, I couldn't go under the mic because it was another it set. It was close. So it, it was, was so it was close. too close for comfort. I thought I was going to be dead for sure. And then when I went, when I got the nose down, then I, and I just nursed that wing for all it could give me to, to get in the three point attitude. And if you watch the side profile video, you can see the elevator not jerking because I don't, you know, you're probably following people that like, like when they're in the flare, they, they jerk the stick and they're like pumping it. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't do that. And, and I just basically progressively bring the elevator back so smoothly because I know I was right on the ragged edge and then put it position and just plop down. And if the ground was hard, it probably would have been fine, but it wasn't. So, um, so yeah, it was, um, sorry, what was your original question, Jeff? I just got sidetracked there for a second. No, that's okay. No, it's, it's all great stuff. Um, what, what have you done? I think, Oh, training-wise, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that like, yeah, just not not as a whole, just one specific, maybe instructor that taught you one thing, or one specific uh, occurrence, or, or yeah. I mean, I've, I've had a yeah, I've had a lot of great instructors over the years. Um, they've all helped in in one way or another. I've got a lot of good friends that are amazing pilots that have also helped, right? But I think one thing that was definitely the biggest help that I was able to draw on, you know. Uh, that experience and apply it to the situation was I used to do a lot of, um, and I still do it um, every year. I might, you know, it might be a few times during the season. I go out and I practice emergencies. Like I, I, I put myself in the situations where you wouldn't only train and like you get, you obviously got to be careful with this and, and experience matters. And, you know, if you're low time, you want to work with an instructor for sure. But I would do things like, um, because we, we operate off of farm strip, you know, I have, I have a lot more flexibility. So uh, like I'm on climb out, uh, you know, and at 300 feet, like I bring the power right back and not, not in the Sukhoi, but in other airplanes. And then immediately what I do is, okay, I'll, I wanted to see if I can make not necessarily the runway, just something. And you obviously need to understand right. the aircraft. You need to know the limits and understand G loading and that kind of thing. 
but I would do things like that. I'd practice, you know, failures in different positions during erratic maneuvers. I'd be like, okay, engine failed. What am I going to do? And then I just figure it out. Um, now that's not something you just do once you get your PPL, you, you gotta be smart about it, but that was a honestly huge help. And, um, one of my friends actually commented uh, on this uh, a while, a few years ago, he said, you know, that's really smart. Like I never practiced that. I've been flying for 40 years and I've never done that. And yeah. I think that helped a lot because you put yourself in these, these really tough situations and you have to kind of think on your feet, but you also have to know your aircraft. You have to feel the wing. There's a lot of things that come into play. And I, I think what ultimately got out, got me out of this was probably trained instincts, not necessarily mechanical flying um, and just, you know, feeling the airplane. What was the airplane telling me? I'm in a no man's land type of situation. The engine's running, producing thrust, also producing drag. Profile's different. Everything's different about the situation. Um, but that's one thing I can say I did in my years of flying that was able to help me in this this situation and other situations too. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, kind of raises the question, you know, with competition aerobatics, um, even air show, air show flying and training. Um, I don't, I'm not an air show pilot. I'm not going to pretend to be, but, um, you know, during practice days, it's almost makes sense to, you know, obviously you'd have to brief it. Um, so it wouldn't be as close to an emergency as you think, but, you know, just in the middle of a sequence, um, have somebody just, you know, key to mic and say, okay, your engine's out. And then, you know, whatever added, obviously not in a dangerous attitude, like pointed straight at the ground, you know, during a, during an outside flick, but, you know, try to simulate some type of scenario during a contest, during a, during a, uh, a flight or an air show performance where you lose your power and you have to land it, you know, and it sounds maybe when you're over an airport, it could be easy, but, you know, um, one of the things that really opened my eyes was when, you know, Marianne and, and I didn't know Marianne, but she seemed like a super sweet woman and, you know, very talented. Um, but, you know, she had an engine engine issue and and was able to get it over to the airport. And it's just it's such a high stress environment um, and that, you know, it, it's just something that I think really made me want to practice that. And I did. And, you know, I never thought up until now, maybe being at a practice day and just finding somebody who is competent and knowledgeable and, and telling them like, okay, I'm going to go fly this sequence. Um, and if I, if he calls out engine out where it's a super just stupid time, I'm not going to just try to uh, put my life in danger, but I do want to try to do that and practice and just get the airplane on the ground and, you know, figure out, you know, what if you're heading away from the runway or whatever, and you, you know, you're in a new area, you got to get your bearings, you know, it's, it could, it could, I think it could be beneficial. What do you think? Oh, Super totally. Beneficial. Yeah, man. Like you gotta, you gotta train like you play, right? And if you have an emergency, yes. like, fuck, like, you, you gotta, you gotta know you can step up to it. Like this is a, like these things are like test of character too, right? Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fool. Like I know that, you know, a lot of people have died trying to do what I, try, what I did. Um, and I've been told that a lot by a lot of different pilots and, and you know it's not an ego thing it's just like you, we have to face the reality that this is fun until it's not and you you have to like step up to the occasion yeah. and it tests you as a person it tests you as, as, as you know your character your personality it tests everything and like i said like i can walk you through sequentially what i was thinking in each phase of that emergency like it happened now and uh it, it was a lot of selflessness like that yeah. you know and that's that's actually super important i think too like 
you know, you got to put your priorities aside and think about other people too. And, and that also helps the decision-making process. I found, um, and I'm not an, I'm not an expert on human factor or anything like that, but I find it extremely fascinating because the psychology side of it is, is, you know, I, I, we talk about it during training and, you know, there are articles that are written, but it's not really a front and center discussion. A lot of the time I find like we're so, ex- yeah. we're so consumed with talking about, oh, okay, how well was that role? How, how that loop look and, and that kind of thing. But we never talk about the the, the sad, bad stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that um, because you, it seems like you had a great foundation and great instructors and you're definitely prepared for um, the scenario that happened and having, you know, a loss of power and, and making an emergency landing. Do you think that because you knew what to do and handled it, um, you know, as for your training, that that's why you're um, ready to go, ready to fly again? I mean, I, obviously, you're, it's it will shake up anybody, but I think you're in a, a much better mindset, it seems. And, you know, we've seen you on online and everything flying again. Um, do you think that because it wasn't as much of a shock as it would be to others that that's why you're able to fly again you know so, so yeah like- no that's a it's, a, it's a it's actually the best question to ask um because don't you know, pump um, his ego up <laughs> i just i just went from six that was the fucking worst question you could ask Jeff. <laughs> there, we go. there uh, we go there we <laughs> go because <laughs> you know i'll be honest guys like i i have moments where i'm thinking am i processing this right like I've, I've had lots of conversations with lots of different people, um, you know, and I, you know, I've spoken to a psychologist about it, like right after the accident, um, you know, I'm working with a sports psychologist in preparation for the worlds. Um, this guy's been so gracious to donate his time and he's a, he's a, he's one of the best in the industry. So I'm like very lucky, but I, as soon as I had my accident, I reached out to him because I'm like, okay, I need to talk to you because I need to know how I should process this. And my natural inclination as a person is just to move on. Like it happened. Can't do much about it, you know. Do better, learn from it, and keep moving. Um, but I, I find myself every day from the accident questioning: Am I actually processing this? Is this something that's going to come up in nine months, or just however long the whack is, like seven months away? Where I'm in Vegas, and I'm like, you know what, Aaron, I can't do this. I, I'm not in the headspace, and I worry Maybe. about that. You know, Maybe. I, I, I do worry about that because. You know, you know, I've dealt with enough stuff in my life, like everyone else has, and and I'm always my 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 attitude's always go go go, right? Um, but I have enough self awareness to, to to question how I'm feeling too. And but there's there's also the flip side of that is you got to be careful with how much you dig into that because you could actually make it worse. Meaning maybe I have processed that, maybe I'm moving on, maybe I'm maybe I'm perfectly fine mentally. Right. But then constantly questioning myself can also bring up problems as well. So, you know, I've, I've, I've got friends, close friends that have had accidents and we all process things differently. Um, the one thing I can say, though, is talking about this, like with you guys and, and friends and other pilots and even that video, I was like super hesitant about putting that video out because it wasn't, you know, for me, it was like, well, you know, I'm gonna be, it's going to be huge. Flight Chops is very popular YouTube channel. Like, you know, this this opens up a lot of scrutiny and and uh, judgment, right? But then I got thinking about it and I got talking to people about it and they just said, you know what? Like, I've looked at that video. You did an awesome job. This is a great learning learning opportunity. Meaning like yes. you, this this could be, this video could help someone else. And, and, I, and I started thinking about it. Well, you know what? 
you know, selflessly, like if they, if someone else, if this self helps someone else save their lives in this situation, then my accident was, was fucking worth it. Um, and so for a way, in a way that was like almost, that's like me giving back, um, in a weird kind of way. And the funny side of it is like, um, it almost seemed like it was, I wouldn't say meant to be, but, um, it was planned because the footage is just so surreal. It's so yeah. well documented, you know, and and I record every flight I do. So this it was just another flight for me. Um, yeah, it highlights so many things. I mean, you know, from the little things to, you know, I run my GoPro for for critiquing and this and that. But you know, I in the back of my head, I, I do run it if God forbid something. And I've thought about it. Like if God forbid something happens, I want it to to help me in the future and hope I, you know, hopefully it's the best outcome uh, for me. But um, so there's like there's some documentary of it. And then also, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, we've lost really, really great people. Um, and it just highlights how important practicing engine outs and, and emergency landings, you know, especially in these aerobatic lanes, you know, um, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, I mean, uh, the, the hot airplanes, right? Like, and with, with the hotness, I'll call it, it comes yeah. an increased risk. Like yes, the Sukhoi, like fuck, it was like flying a warbird because the big nose up front and you can't see anything. It's it, it, you know, and then you got the shitty glide ratio. I mean, yeah, the things as a tank, and you have like it is like a no, warbird. You have no time in this. I mean, you've buried it, but you yeah. know, not you're a great pilot, but you know, it's a new airplane to you. So like, there's just so many things that like, gosh, um, that 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 make this this situation um, so. F- gosh um fascinating and 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 you know it's it's i can't think of a great word uh well you were you were lucky and good that day i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of fortune that comes into a successful outcome you know and it's um we can't rely on that as pilots we have to we have to hedge our bets with experience and skill um and good decision making but you know even on top of that i still always hope that luck is on my side uh when it comes to the decisions I make, you know, it's like, uh, if, if there was two feet of water, uh, where you put that airplane down, the results would be different. You know, there, yeah. it's good fortune there that, that there wasn't, or that you made a turn or a descent when you did, instead of making another decision. And, and, and those are skilled, um, or, or thoughtful decisions that you are, you are using, but you know, having, having even weather conditions, wind, whatever it is, just having some, some good fortune on your side, you know, always hedges hedges the bet in the uh in the positive direction you, know, you always hope for that yeah i mean that you're right that there, there is definitely luck as well as skill it's the combination of the two i think um for sure that kind of come into play here right um it's uh yeah i mean i i didn't come out of that thinking like fuck you i'm so good it wasn't like that for me it was no. like i everything worked out like i made the decisions when i need to make them they were the right decisions but they were man yeah. but but like let's think about this for this for a second. If it was five seconds earlier, I wouldn't have made that field. Right. Like that yeah. timing was so critical in the outcome. Well, um, let's talk about this, Ryan. You know, because uh, most people don't think about this. You know, we always, we always, and I, and I, I do this with aircraft checkouts. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm teaching somebody in an airplane that is aerobatic and we're doing aerobatics, I'll give them. You know, I'll pull the power out in a vertical and be like, "You just lost your engine. Where are you putting it?" Oh, by the way, keep flying the airplane because you're going to fall out of this. Don't, don't, you know, don't spin it. Don't stop and try to keep flying the airplane. And now we're going to figure out where to land. That's very cut and dry. The engine quit. It's dead. 
you had a partial engine failure and an airplane that was essentially telling you, I burped, but I, I came back. So you have that moment of like, oh shit, I got to find somewhere to put it back. But then, then you're still making power. You know, that, that can, can screw with the psyche a little bit too. Cause you're, you're thinking, well, I have an engine. It's partial. I mean, you're in your case, it was, you know, you didn't have enough to even maintain altitude. You were, you were going down, but you know, there's, there's, times where the engine hiccups or, or something coughs or, you know, a carbon piece of carbon goes through a, <laughs> goes through a valve and you're like, uh, did I just hear that? Did I just feel that? What's going on here? Uh, and, and you get a false sense of security when maybe when the engine comes back and then you don't know that there's an actual problem, you know? So that can be kind of insidious, you know, in situations like yours where like, maybe you don't make the, that snap decision correctly. Yeah. Like, so, so maybe I walk you through like my decision, how how I was thinking during the emergency because I, I think it's it's I find it's fascinating um, because I think you make a p- good point there, Mark. Like that one little decision can change the whole outcome, right? And I remember, like I said, vividly every step I took. So like you know, I was flying along, heading back towards the airport. I was fifteen hundred feet AGL, and then the engine surges five times, and then immediately the first surge. And I don't know why I did this, just react, train reaction, I guess. Nose down, fuel pump primer on, and then check max. It's a great reaction. Yeah, it was, it was like I it's a perfect reaction. It was less than a second. Like it was just so quick. I don't I don't know why I did that, but it was just a reaction. And uh um and then I'm like, okay, cause checks in the first 10 seconds. Like I'm flying the airplane, but I'm also doing cause checks. And then at, at, after 10 seconds or so, I'm like, all right, nothing's gonna fix, I gotta fly the airplane. And I'm looking around. You can see my head pivot, looking around, going, fuck, I'm in no man's land. I can't land anywhere here. So then I'm like, I'm going to head for where I see green and, and trees and whatnot. So I just go in that direction and I, you know, fly what I think is best glide in this configuration, which was 150 clicks, I think, which is slow. Um, and then as I'm going through that process, the, the next goal is to, okay, I got to get to the next point, which is outside of the town, but I got I to gotta make a radio call. So, you know, communicate. So I make the call to the R44 that was in the circuit or the pattern, as you guys said in the States. And I told him like, you know, Mayday, 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 Lima Victor Echo, engine failure. And he's like, where are you? I tell him a mile, mile and a half from the shoreline heading straight for the airport. And he asked for more information. And then at that point, so much time had already passed by. I was already approaching the edge of the town. I said, I can't talk, I'm landing. At that point, I got three decisions to make. There's a green field that's, I don't know if I'm going to make that, but it's got undulating um, terrain. And, you know, green means hard. Hard means broken neck, potentially. And if I flip on my back, like, that could be pretty bad. But the question is, can I still make it? And then I, my visibility wasn't great either because of my eye line. You can see it in the camera, but I can't quite get a good read on it. And I didn't want to change the profile of the aircraft because I'll lose altitude. And I didn't want to necessarily try and make any sort of turns because that's also going to mean, you know, I'm going to lose altitude. So, uh the next option was the road, saw cars. And for some reason, at that moment, I just had visions of a, a mother and her kid. And I don't know why, maybe I'm thinking my wife and my son, but that's what went through my head. I said, I can't land there. Then I saw the the, the waterlogged field. Um, I'm going for there. And I immediately turned final. And then I see the power lines. And I'm thinking yeah. like, fuck, I'm not going to make it. And then I pull the prop back. And then I was go over the power lines. I say, shit. And I key the mic. I said, shit. My partner heard that. And the guy in the chopper heard it. And I put it down. and and you know, then I'm stuck. So that was literally the decision-making process in my mind. It was just like, try and solve the issue. Can't do it. Shed that weight. 
that it doesn't matter anymore. What matters is I got to fly the aircraft and then figure out the next step. Um, and that's, you know, we train for this stuff. This is just normal part of being a pilot. But in that situation, I just, I just felt this massive weight all of a sudden, like it was immense. Like if I lost the engine and there was lots of fields around, I would have had a very different, uh, yeah, I had an oh shit reaction, but my reaction, the stress levels would probably be less because all sure. I could think about like someone that like, people are going to die. Like I'm going to fucking be on the news because I just killed a bunch of people because I couldn't put the Sukhoi down somewhere safely. Um, that was a thought that went through my head uh, with so much intensity. I, ca- I, ca- it's, I can't even explain it. It's, it's just a very strong feeling. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what was, that was the process. From it's heavy. And like, it took me what, two minutes to explain that, but the whole thing happened in like 60 seconds, 74 yeah. seconds. Yeah. There's a lot going yeah. on. Lots of reconcile. Some helmet, some helmet talk. Gonna get uh some Mark happy. Mark loves helmets. And yeah, you uh, were wearing one. <laughs> yep. Thank goodness. I was. It saved my life. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah Everybody go watch the always, video, guys. Go watch that video ever, and watch the impact to his head. Yeah. Have you ever not worn a helmet flying hacker around? Yes. I uh, used to. I only got I only started wearing a helmet about two, three years ago. And before I just wear clarity alofts. But then, you know, well, more I got thinking about it, I was like, yeah, I had a few close calls hitting birds at low altitude, and that made me nervous. So the helmet's probably not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I tell everyone, wear a helmet if you can. Yeah. Probably. So what helmet were you wearing? Bonehead. Pilot X. Awesome. Gotcha. Awesome helmet. I mean, for me, because I'm, I'm not a short guy, so I always have head clearance issues, especially for negative stuff. So I need yeah. the lowest profile helmet, which is pilot x is probably the best one out there for that yep yep um and yeah i contacted them the day after my accident and uh, and i was saying hey just want to let you know i had a pretty bad accident your helmet saved my life uh it's broken and and would you reckon it's like had a crack at the back but i said you know can i still wear it what would you recommend so no no you gotta replace it so then i said well will you give me another one (laughs) i'll happily give you a testimonial yeah, and they said, "Well, we'll give you a discount." I said, "Really?" <laughs> oh no! So they're actually okay. go- they're going to hook me up. So they've been good. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely going to wear that helmet again. I mean, I know from an impact standpoint, you know, like Lyft has great helmets too. I just can't wear them in, in the environment I'm operating. So I figured something, right. nothing, something is better than nothing. And uh, that proved yeah. to be true. For sure, because because the helmet's not going to help you from concussion, right? Like, you, no matter if you if you have a massive helmet on, like it's not going to no. prevent concussion because concussion is the brain moving inside the skull, yep. right? So anything like that, it, it doesn't really make a difference. And what you're really protecting from is things penetrating your head. I mean, there's other nuanced applications and and you know things that a helmet can do, but you know the the ultimate goal for me is protect my eyes and protect my head from something going inside of it. Yeah. Did you feel like when you were getting flipped over and that thing, did you feel anything or, you know, I know it's a tough question, but uh, I need to, I'm assuming the plexiglass is what would hit the helmet. No. um, So the glass definitely went through that, went into the helmet and there's actually a cut on the top where, where a piece um, actually tried to penetrate, didn't penetrate very deep because the helmet's pretty strong and I got a lot of clear coat on the helmet. So that probably helped too. But the, um, the my head actually did hit the Sukhoi windshield rail, so my oh, I, wow. I, I, I don't have it like that. My shoulders felt super tight because you know I, I need to be able to move, but they were tight enough. But it was enough inertia, and and uh, my lap belts were pretty tight where my head actually did make contact with 
with the front railing part. So um, yeah, it, it definitely heard a lot of clanging and crashing in my head and impact. Um, at one point, I actually thought I broke my neck or my I lost all my teeth because I felt felt like my jaw was coming out of my face. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a weird sensation. Oh, and boy. yeah, and, and I think what also probably helped me from getting a compression fracture or a broken neck or spine was, you know, I tucked my head in at the last second and it's like a natural response going under a ladder, right? Like you tuck your head, that's what I did. And, and I think that changed the force vector on my head. So instead of going directly through my spine and my neck, it actually went laterally across the spine and the muscles. So I woke up on, um, I came out of that like with an extremely sore neck and back. Yeah, and uh, they had me in a neck brace for four hours until they gave me the all clear. But you know, for about a week, my my neck and back muscles were were guarded and uh, didn't want to release because they had been hyper stretched. So yeah. it was, you know, for a second there, I thought, yeah, I broke my jaw, or I've lost my teeth, or I've broken my neck. Um, the pain was very sharp and sudden, but the um, but the outcome was I was fine. Just a mus- muscle tear basically and a stretch. As a, that's the thing is you, you don't realize how you tense. In a situation like that, either, yeah, you know, the, the muscles you pull and 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 injure uh, <laughs> uh, doing something like that, you really, I'm, it's almost impossible not to tense up and, and tense your so muscles. So much adrenaline after that, like you probably, yep. I'm sure you didn't, uh, uh, not sure, but I'm guessing you didn't feel anything right after a crash because you were probably so like. But it was funny. I got out of the plane, <laughs> and uh, again, this is just my personality. The cops there, EMS is there, and paramedics and whatnot, and. They're all, the first thing I do, I'm like, uh, I want to get my GoPros off the plane, right? Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I know the plane's going to be there and I don't want people to steal the GoPros because I know people are going to come because the plane was in the field upside down for three days, right? So it wasn't because uh, we had to actually get it heli lifted out. We couldn't on a, on a long line because we couldn't actually put it on a truck because uh, of the location. And plus you needed a permit, which would have taken days. So um, so I get out of the airplane and I'm like, okay, I get my GoPros off. So I'm going around the airplane, taking the GoPros off. And there was one on the cow looking back and it's um, there's an Allen screw that's, that's locking that GoPro on and it's under the plane. So I'm saying I tell someone to lift the wing, just push the wing up and I'll get underneath. And I got to the cop and I said, can you give me, you got pliers? He's like, it's like, uh, I've got a multi-tool. So yeah, they'll do. Can I have your pliers please? And everyone's just trying to see if I'm all right. Right. And, and I said, I'm yeah. fine. If you had, I said, if you had another airplane here, I'll go flying. It's no problem at all. And I'm going underneath <laughs> and the GoPro out. And then, and then the cop comes up to me and he's like, so, hey, buddy, I know you feel okay, but you're probably pumped with adrenaline. We need to get you checked out. I said, yeah. oh, I'm fine, man. I'm good. I'm all good. And, and I, I, I was I was okay at the time. And I said, all right, fine. I'll be a good sport. Put me in the back of the ambulance and they checked me out. Yeah, and I took, my, took my blood pressure and, and my heart rate. And I was actually pretty relaxed. And they were just like, it doesn't seem like you've been in an accident because your, your heart rate's like 63 and your blood pressure is normal. Well, yeah. the worst part's over. Is that when you uh, told him that Michael Boolean signed your rudder? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah. That's why you were Actually, so calm. You, ca- you crashed so the airplane calm. that didn't have his. You, you crashed the airplane that didn't have his autograph on it. Yeah, you, know? you don't want the dog exactly. coming after you. Exactly. The investment's protected. That's all good. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Uh, he actually reached out to me, eh? and he just. And that was nice of him to do that. He just reached out and he said, "Look, airplanes suck. I'm glad you're okay." And he says, "Don't That's let this really nice. you." He's such he's a class act. God damn. He is. He's awesome. Like I mean. Like I said on the, on the last time I was on with Luke, right? Like he's a uh, another he's one. someone I look. Yeah, I, I looked up to Mike Gullion since I was a kid. You know, it was he was a big inspiration to me, and 
to kind of have this connection now and and, and for him to do that meant meant a lot. And yeah. uh, you know, if anything, it kind of re- it keeps the fire going. Yeah, we we had talked to well, Mark and I were talking about this, uh, just the two of us on the show, but I don't think people I think they do have to an extent, you know, people like uh Gullian and, and Holland, the impact that they have on um aerobatic pilots that are, you know, taking the sport to a little bit higher than a normal level, meaning like they're they're training more than the average person like yourself, Mark, myself. And, you know, they, I don't think they realize how important and influential they are to, to people. They, like they, they don't. They don't. They really don't. You know, they, they yeah. do not understand that, that. That's the thing is like, you know, with a celebrity, like an act, like a, um, you know, like a Hollywood celebrity, actor, actress, musician, something like that. There seems to be more of an of a uh, an understanding at just how impactful they are to people, you know. Um, and I, I don't think I don't think I mean, it just shows how how humble you know and awesome somebody like Michael Gullian is. Like he just doesn't even realize that he would be important enough to have people, you know. Maybe idolize is the wrong word, but but damn near close to to idolize him. And there's so many there's thousands of people out there that uh, would call Michael Gullian a hero, you know. Um, he's one of mine, one of my childhood heroes for sure. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. And super influential, and to and to to see somebody like that be so nice and humble and love the sport and love people, it's incredible. You know, they they there's always like that running saying of like, don't meet your heroes. He he breaks the mold on that saying for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot I mean, of them yeah, yeah he's just he's just a down to earth guy. Like he he loves aviation as much as we do, and I think that's. I think that's what the um, the difference is. Like, you know, I think a celebrity is generally out of touch, but because Mike is involved in the aviation in such a significant way, and same with Rob as well. Like, you know, they're the, the present; they're actually in it. Um, whereas if you're if you're a celebrity with with you know an extreme elite status, like it's very easy to be removed from the real world. Whereas they're actually still a part of it, and I think that's what separates them um, yeah. because they're able to they're able to empathize and they're able to understand. And not only that, they have a lot of clout and a lot of respect in the industry, and that just takes it to a whole new level. So when when someone like Gullian or Rob reaches out, like it's it, you know, it does mean a lot. And not because they're a celebrity, but because they've been through shit too. They've had things happen to them, and and their experiences, their reinforcement just just keeps you going. And you know, I told I told Mike, I said, you know, just so you know, like this doesn't deter me from going to the world. If anything, it's 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 got me more charged up to go. Yeah. Um, well, and it's it's think, a. Uh... It's a, it's a, it's a uh, kind of a notch on the belt is, is the wrong, wrong, uh, wrong way to describe it. But it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bump in the road for sure. Uh, in 10 years, it'll be something that you, maybe you'll never laugh at it, but you look back and be like, man, that was crazy. That that was a crazy little thing that happened. Um, and it'll be in a, a, hopefully a distant memory, but it's like, um, you know, it's, the the community is so amazing and the support is so amazing i'm sure you know the outpouring of support for you i'm I have no doubt has been amazing and and heavy and 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 plentiful and you you know it's just one of those things where i would imagine somebody like you you're you guys are all of you canadians out there are just kicking ass dude and you're so determined and you're so um passionate about it that this is just like a, you know what I don't know what would stop you. I really don't know what would stop you guys, except for maybe like, yeah. I don't know, like a heat wave. Like if, if it was 117 degrees, it would, 
just like well, kill all you all you snow bunnies they would out melt. there. Well, well yeah. I mean, just so you know, I grew up in the tropics, so heat's actually my favorite. So ah, uh, that's true. You <laughs> damn it, you, yeah. I keep keep I keep forgetting your you know kiwi at heart. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, actually on the team stuff, like I, I gotta give a shout out to the team and Aaron. Like they've been absolutely amazing through all this, right? Like um they've all had the individual experiences i mean jersey you know he flew he flies a sukhoi 26 and he had an engine failure in his and like the guy cartwheeled it on the ground and he he was fine and uh you know good on him he actually rebuilt his 26 a lot of people don't know that which is fucking incredible like he built it himself uh think yeah. about that for a second you know and and uh he's been flying for like almost 20 years like that and it's been it's it's you know as strong as any other sukhoi and then yep. you've got you know other people's experiences, and then and Aaron obviously being he's an incredible coach and just an incredible person. Like he's been incredibly supportive as well, you know. And he's given me other options if I can't find an airplane for for whack. Like what am I going to fly? So he's been very generous as well. So it's it's you know, um, and that's what makes the whole sharing this ex- experience so easy for me is because there are a lot of good people out there and. You know, I know there's people out there with their own opinions and that's fine. They weren't in the situation. They're never going to know that situation unless they're exactly in that situation. So, you know, I'm alive. No one got hurt. That's what counts. And, uh, you know, we push forward. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, but I would, I would be lying if I said this experience wasn't enlightening on so many levels. Oh, for oh, everybody. Yeah. I mean, more so you, I get that. But, you know, it just, again, it's just highlights how important it is to practice emergency, you know, yeah. training. Um, I, I'm, I'm like on the, in my mind right now, I really want to start talking about the Northern lights cause you're in Canada right now. And, um, I don't, but I don't want to take away from, you know, the situation and, and you being on here to talk about, uh, the experience that you had, but, um, do you have anything else to, to add to it, Mark, or. Well, um, I guess a couple of things is, um, I lost, uh, I forgot the question I was going to ask. It was not super great um oh so obviously um i say we uh meaning the world you also uh more importantly don't know the extent of the damage of the airplane yet right um more than likely probably gonna need a new tractor engine definitely gonna need a prop need a vertical stab rudder maybe some other bits um is the plan is there or i guess is there a um is there a charge to get it back in the air for worlds yeah that's that's the plan like i'm i'm uh my it's funny because my partners know what i'm like and i I, like i just go like i I know that sounds kind of cliche but fuck after the accident i'm already figuring out how to get this thing turned around (laughs) yeah and um you can you just send it to lee hubner he'll do it in two weeks that's it right five minutes yeah (laughs) but i mean i don't want to stream hands touching it (laughs) <laughs> oh, feel bad luck. Well said. Well said. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I love you, Lee. Um, Be covered in kangaroo juice by the end of the day. <laughs> kangaroo jizz with juice. What would you say? <laughs> either one. Either one. Either yes. Yes. The answer is yes. I'm just, I'm just waiting for Lee to come back with the sheep jokes. Um, I don't know if you guys know, <laughs> yeah, know that story, still, but no, nah, he's still making out with Doug Beta for a free canopy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um yeah keep so, pushing, so yeah keep, keep trying keep reaching for those stars mate um <laughs> <laughs> so the plan is to like if the if the when we get the full assessment done um and if that you know if the plane's fine like 100 i want to I get flying i want to get flying before whack 
Um, you know, we we do have insurance, so that's good. Um, but you know, you probably saw the video, and I, I and I know you guys probably share the same feeling. But I, I hate doing things like GoFundMe, and 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 it was actually I was somewhat kind of talked into it a little bit. Um, but I'm not going to make that as the excuse. So the reason why I did that was basically any additional dollar that anyone wants to donate. Um, and I, I am planning to do something special. I, I haven't decided exactly what yet for those people who do donate. But the plan is to use any additional funds to accelerate the rebuild of Sukhoi. Because insurance will only cover a certain amount, right? Um, but they won't, they won't, you know, help cover any sort of acceleration of the rebuild. So um normally I fucking hate doing those things, but you know, I think it's if people find value in the story and the experience I'm sharing, you know, that those dollars will be put to good use. So there's like a lot of things that kind of have to come together for this, right? Um there's there's the, obviously the financial side. There's also um, parts and and uh, resources and also time. And if if we can, if this airplane turns out to be fine, which I think it is, but we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm making an ambitious push to get flying in in three months, which is ridiculous. That'd be really cool, you know. But I'm going to do but it. Ridiculous and is good. Yeah, and I mean, I'm an ambitious guy, so. You know, if I can get two months in the airplane, I think I can be competitive at WAC. So um, that's that's the plan. And you know, I, I'm lucky to have good friends, and they've they've you know, Aaron's offered to let me fly as extreme, um, which I think you guys know that was an airplane you know we we're looking at as well prior to the Sukhoi. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I got the Stardecker as well that were it's currently still for sale. Um, I'm surprised that airplane hasn't sold because for what it is, it's incredible. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 not like I'm in the completely in the in the dark here, right? I've got I've got options, but the plan is to take the Sukhoi because there are other obligations that I have with that airplane that I, I want to fulfill. Yeah, is there any? Because uh, is Jersey still on the team? Yep, Jersey, Mark Cunningham, uh, Christian Baxter, Miles, yeah, um, Miles, just a Dave. fucking set of assassins, dude. Jesus, yeah, that's like, why the French aren't showing up. That's I'm telling you right now. That's why they're not showing up. <laughs> well, I wish they were showing up. Fuck it. Yes. They just don't want to get beat by a bunch of flannel jockeys. That's the problem. <laughs> flannel jockeys. I like flannel that. Flannel jockeys. I like that one. I'll, I'll use that one next time. I just came up with that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good one. Uh, um, it's really good. Jeez. Yeah. But the French um, are coming. So, are, are, they they coming? are they? No, I said they should come because, like, they keep saying they are coming. And I, I think I don't think they are. Yeah. Well, I don't think they are. I won't say who, but somebody was getting a little uppity saying, like, I don't know where these rumors are coming from. We're planning on coming. And it's like, I, I don't think so, man. It doesn't sound like it. Unless they've worked out some side deals with some 330 SEs in the US. They were yeah. they were trying real hard, but I told them they can rent mine for ten thousand dollars an hour, which is pretty fair considering what that's they fair. offer us. So um, it's right here, yeah. boys. Yeah, uh, that's that's a that's a that's a dry rate, by the way. <laughs> uh, dry dry fuel and oil. Yes. <laughs> um, Ryan, we 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 touched maybe on 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 the the kind of the psychological side of it uh, a little bit, but post crash, um, thoughts and processes, um. You know, you made mention of like, okay, am I processing this right? When's it going to come out? Am I going to throw a puppy out of a out of a window in two months? 
um, <laughs> because of my trauma. What, what talking about the the act of consciously processing something like this because it's significant. Obviously, you know, um, you know, I, I hate when when people say they almost died because they almost got hit by a car, and it's like, well, you didn't almost die. You weren't taken within an inch of your life. You almost got hit by a car, and then you may have died or may not have died, but you didn't almost die. Almost die is like you were on your last breath, but not to be, not to overstate it. I mean, you know, you were in an aircraft accident that could have been way worse than it was. Um, Where does your mind go in terms of uh, thinking about the significance of that, reconciling that, and then, and then not, not just the mental component of, is this going to come out in my flying? Cause you touched on that, but like, just as a, a, the human element, the, 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 the psychological trauma of it, where are you right now with regard to that? Yeah, it's um, like, I'm in a, I'm in a really good mental space <clears throat> right now. And I was immediately after the accident. Like it wasn't, I don't know. I feel like I deal with trauma pretty good. Um, and that's not, again, not an ego thing. It's just kind of how, how I'm wired. Um, so like right now, like, you know, I'm planning to get installed this weekend and, and going to fly. Like that's the plan. And I, I don't have any hesitation in my mind about that. have no questions about my, the trauma or anything from that. Um, however, with that said, I think my recommendation to anyone who experiences trauma like this or has an accident is you got to talk about it. Like don't hold it in. Um, I learned for a long time ago when I was young, the unfortunate drawbacks of not communicating and talking about these things, not necessarily accidents, but other things that might happen in your life. It has a very negative effect on your psyche, on your development and your progress with, with said trauma. So, um, you know, I've spoken to, as soon as I had the accident, my phone was off the hook, as you can imagine. I'm talking to a lot of different people. And through that process, I think it's it's helped me deal with it because it's it's definitely made me realize some things. It's there's lots of learnings and lots of lessons. Uh, I actually hate that word learnings, but we'll just use it for, t- for today. Um, lots of lessons learned, and you know, you come away with it being better. Um, but the talking about it, it was just just so fucking beneficial like i was talking to dumovic the other day and you know credit to him like he reached out to me and he's like hey you know you need to talk just call me you know i've spoken to silberti i've spoken to my my close friends aaron um i reached out to rob as well because i wanted to chat with him because i know he had uh an engine failure in his mx a few years ago before the whack i want to get his thoughts like uh, that has been incredibly beneficial for me and i think it's beneficial for anyone else who experiences something similar so um to answer your question directly mark like i'm in a good headspace like i have no questions about my 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 ability or my um confidence getting into a machine whether it's a sukhoi or something else um but i i credit that to just being open and having self-awareness about yeah. what's happened you know it's great that's great no it sounds you know um all things considered this is a a really really Obviously, it's a fortunate outcome, but it's it's kind of the best case scenario all around. You know, um, there's certainly been scenarios where, where people have had situations like this happen to them and um, they don't hop back in an airplane, let alone do aerobatics again. Um, that that's certainly happened more than once. So it's it's great yeah. that not only not only is the flying side of it not affected, but just just personal, you know, personal health, right? Mental health. Um, 
uh, that's not something that we talk about a whole lot, uh, especially as pilots. We're all we all seem to be kind of a little dead inside, or at least <laughs> pretend to be, um, but we're not. And and just just being able to to kind of deal with the emotional component of of having a significant event happen, right? Uh, and being yeah. able to, to kind of handle that in a healthy manner is it, not only is it necessary and important, but it's just it's great to hear that it is happening. So I'm I'm happy to hear that. Just like all fronts, this is such a positive outcome. Yeah, it is. It's almost like the whole thing was planned, uh, which is kind of funny because I think there was a YouTube comment on the video saying this just seems like it's the whole plan. Yeah, like, yeah, it's the best case it. scenario. I know it's like, but he said it in a smart ass way. Like he, he's basically implying like I intentionally crashed one hundred sixty five thousand dollar fucking airplane for YouTube views. I'm like, no, trust me, bro. That's not the plan. <laughs> well, hold on though. I, I must. I got to stop you. Did you insure it for two hundred sixty grand so you could get a an extra or something? Because uh, then I, it starts to get a little weird. No, I did not. I did not. No, it was okay. insured well, for the value of the aircraft. So, well, then the conspiracy theories are put to bed. Oh, exactly. I think he was more like, oh, there seems to be lots of plugging of sponsors. I said, well, I'm only plugging them because they've been amazing to me <laughs> after the accident. Like, you know, that's just a natural thing. And uh, yeah, but I mean, I'll say this to anyone, like I, I offer it to anyone, like seriously, like I'm, I'm an open book with this shit. Like I, I just fucking think we need more of it. I think it's just all goodness. There's a ton of benefits for everyone and we can all learn from each other. But if anyone finds themselves in a similar situation, like I'm happy to talk to you, reach out. Because I think and I love that that's, that person like that's like shit talking whatever is shit talking in private and not open like shut the fuck up who's shit talking? Well, yeah I mean how would you uh, even, no 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 it's how would a, you even shit talk this yeah well yeah I'm not like it's funny because uh, flight chops I call him flight chop Steve because I know too many Steves <clears throat> but he's saying uh, generally on his videos he usually gets five percent negative and ninety five percent good but I think in this video it might actually be more like less than one percent maybe that's even awesome. way less than that. So it's, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, I mean, the support has, as I said, it's been phenomenal. And um, well, and Ryan, yeah, can I, I can tell you from a content standpoint, that I hate this. Uh, I, I kind of hate saying that word content, but like, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast at nauseum, and and we're never going to stop talking about stupid fucking influencers. But Ugh. that being said, in a world of just curated posts, cu- curated lifestyles, fake, um, um, and pretend that we see on YouTube, Instagram, whatever, uh, and wherever, just having, having kind of a real moment with somebody that, you know, a lot of people in the community know, first of all, and even if you, if people don't know you, uh, even, uh, personally or peripherally, um, they can, they can appreciate a real situation and, and a learning experience. And I think that is so refreshing in a world of, of just, kind of fake it till you make it honestly. Yeah. I mean, look, Steve, I've always been a fan of Flight Chop's videos. He, he does an amazing job and his, his intent is pure because he's always trying to just get information out there about how to be safer pilot. And I flew with Steve. Yeah. Uh, he was the first guy. He's fantastic. Ever. Yeah, he's he's honestly, he's a great pilot. He's a good dude. And uh, what's crazy is that video was shot almost in one t- take. Like it was just, he, he's, I mean, he's a f- film producer by trade, right? So he, he's like, well, t- everyone's asked me the questions because I'm at the Windsor Warburg Museum and everyone should check that out because it's awesome. And uh, they're, they're actually rebuilding Mosquito, which is one of my favorite yep. birds of all time. Um, anyways, so I get there and everyone's asked me questions and he's like, guys, stop asking questions. Stop talking about it. Just save it for the video. <laughs> and I understand why he did that because he wanted to keep it just very raw, very pure. And yeah. we went through that, and then Luke and I did a segment together, and and that was I mean Luke and I get on great, so it's just a natural thing. 
but it, it was it wasn't a lot of like hey can you do it like this can you do it like that he says just tell me the story and i just told the story um so he he does he makes an effort to capture things uh as real as raw as possible and he's all about the takeaways and the learning um from these these situations yeah, yeah. it came off like- it just it came off as an is you know an incredible experience for uh for for somebody like me you know is obviously yeah no and and um is genuine it was that breakdown your breakdown with him um the actual crash footage video notwithstanding your 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 guys is just kind of conversation about what happened was really enlightening it's just really enlightening and um he did a great job his his videos are great if you guys don't know flight chops uh check him out on youtube It's, it's a fantastic channel one of yeah, the best yeah. aviation the, YouTube uh, channels. RB14. I love that. I want that's one of the airplanes I'd like one day. So yeah, it's a beautiful all airplane. It is beautiful. It's awesome. Um yeah, it it's uh awesome machine. The G3X package, it's is incredible. Like, yeah, it's it's a great versatile aircraft. Um yeah. it was interesting. We had it like Luke and, and Steve and I were having a discussion about like, okay, would you jettison the canopy in the RB14? And uh, Steve asked Luke and I, and we're like, "Well, I don't know, man. Like, there's a lot of protection, but if you get stuck and there's a fire, you might not get out. Like, it, it's a, you know, it's such a, um, <laughs> like, these questions are sometimes impossible questions to ask, you know, because the situation, the variables, of the situation, completely change your decision making, um, and that's why, like, I look at my video and I'm like, no, I wouldn't change anything because there, there probably wasn't much to change, and anything else could have been questionable." <clears throat> and it's hard to say what would you do in that situation because until you're in it you're never really going to know and that's just something i've always kind of struggled with like even though i've, I've trained and practiced these types you know different types of emergencies and whatnot the reality is you can plan all you want but what what's going to what's going to help you in the end is your skill your decision making and making decisions quickly Absolutely. especially when you've got such little time yeah, absolutely. I was always told that when you make a decision, stick with it. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't deviate. Yep. Yep. Don't deviate. And the, the, in the famous words of Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And that's kind of, that's that's true for just about everything. It's, you can have a plan until, until you know, the situation presents itself. And unless those conditions are, are exact like you've thought of, uh, it's going to be different. And you're going to have to come up with a plan. And it's going to have to be fast. And Absolutely. Make a decision, stick to it. Don't second guess yourself. And um, especially in your case, 1500 feet. I, I just, most people that listen to this show are going to understand the severity of being 1500 feet high over a populated area in an aerobatic airplane in a NBA, high performance aerobatic. You weren't going fast. No. Yeah. Not full smash uh, and, and losing the engine is the worst. It's just about the worst thing that could happen. Because you can't really see that far away. You don't really see, like, when you're at 3,000, 5,000, whatever the heck, you know, you can see a ton of fields and roads and have some time, but, you know, you're low. So, you know, visually and in a Sukhoi with the wing in the way. And, you know, the 26, you know, it's, it's you see more than a pits, but, you know, you got this, uh, you got the crossbar in front of you and, you know, and you had a helmet on. So, like, the long nose. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Super man. long nose. It would be. Yeah. Tough. It's a uh, it, man. It's it's not it's not ideal, not ideal at all. Um, but yeah. gosh, we're we're so thankful you're here to tell the story. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to tell it. I've told it so many times now. Um, and that's another reason why I did the videos because Steve's like, you know, how many times have you told your story? I said, I don't know, a hundred times. And he's like, well, let me help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's it's been um yeah, it's been great, great experience. Um tell you what though, like, you know, as I said, enlightenment can mean a lot of different things. Um and I came out of this thinking like, you know what? Bullshit doesn't matter, opinions don't matter, <laughs> nothing really matters in the end. Um but what does matter is, you know, your your safety, your family safety, and, and just just the, the 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 basic things that sometimes we we tend to take for granted or we forget about, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely made me a more resilient person. It's definitely tested my personality, my character. But it was all worth it in the end because uh, other people get to learn off it. Yeah, I love it. I, I love it. Well said. Well said. So with um. With regard to, did you guys get a spare engine with no, when you bought no, that from Dell? We didn't. No, we didn't. We're, we've been chatting with uh, M14 and Barrett. Um, so I think we've we've got we've got some in the works. Nothing solidifies. I won't talk about it now, just because uh, I know what these things are like. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, if someone knows about it, they're going to jump on it. But sure, I, I think we, absolutely. I think we have a window. So I'm still looking for a 26 or a 31 tail. Um, Vertical stab to the guy in uh, Brazil. The, yeah, that Brazilian uh, um, Marcio project. Um, I don't know. He he had yeah, like a, a twenty six that was like ninety percent there. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, what's his? Do you have his? You can just message me his name. Yeah, maybe I'll I'm friends with him. Yeah, yeah. I've been talking to a lot of people. I spoke to Nick Timovev last last night about it. Uh, he said he'd get back to me. So I've been chatting to a lot of different folks um that's the only missing piece right now for for us um i would like to put a 31 tail on it uh yeah well you got a chance yeah right turn it i think it there close was to somebody i think it was castor that took a 31 and um it's in you know a guy in italy bought it but um it was like a custom tail it looked like because it was sharp it wasn't rounded quarter i don't know a lot about it um but he might have one and then you know who else i would speak to would be Philip Steinbeck um, just because of the composites that he's done in the past. And, you know, he made that uh, S-Bach that had the radial in it. So. Oh, right. Yeah. The angry fish. Yeah. yeah. And then being that it's experimental, he, he might have some type of schematic or contact of, of how to get you some parts for that. So I would definitely message uh, Philip. Yeah. The issue we have though, like in Canada that we don't recognize, like in the U S it's experimental exhibition, right? Uh, in Canada, we don't have, anything like that category so we can't recognize it as such so uh like the luke's sc and, and the sukhoi fits under what we call limited type certificate so basically it has to be from what was from the factory so it's either gosh so much like certified a, in that regard basically it's like a certified uncertified aircraft so we need to have uh like i could put a 31 tail on it because there was you know 26s i think the m3s had a 31 tail on it um you know and those are approved mods by the sukhoi factory so that's kind of where our limitation is. It has to be a 26 or a 31 tail. Um, everything else is, is fine because we've got we've got access to it. But, yeah, but how um, would they know? What are they going to call up Sukhoi? Well, a mechanic has to sign off on <laughs> I'm it. Jo I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hey get guys, what you're saying. Trust up, me. <laughs> call up Jacob Sukhoi. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? So, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, things are looking up. You know, I look at, you try and look at the silver lining in these situations. Yeah, the, fucking airplane got bent that sucks uh it really does it's a beautiful beautiful airplane like probably 
like yeah i've seen some gorgeous airplanes but this is just different for like it's a sukhoi it's not supposed to look that nice but man you look at yeah. the paint the quality it's just somebody put a lot of money into that restoration oh yeah that airplane yeah totally and um you know that sucks but the silver lining is you know you get to make some changes that are you know within the approval framework and and you know you know i mean you guys know about the different variations of sukhoi like m m m2 m3 and that so you you can kind of like start to i don't say experiment but you you just open up a, a new possibility so if i can get a little bit more performance out of it for freestyle like format freestyle then then let's go that route like let's let's do it uh or yeah. route sorry you guys say route um didn't want to confuse <laughs> anyone there for a second a boot at first boot. i wasn't sure what you were talking about um <laughs> So everybody within an earshot of this podcast, uh, if you have any sources on a uh, on the tail, Sukhoi tail, please reach out to us. Reach out to Ryan. Reach um, out to us so we can't tell Ryan because we don't want him competing. When we want to get the commission too, you know, 10%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's and that's fair. really the only thing. I mean, every you know, M14s are a, a dime a dozen. MT props, I would imagine for that. Are, are there any other, uh, aside from like, you know... Aside from other M14 um, platforms, is that MT prop on anything else? Are those blades on anything else? Are they common? Not really. No, no, they're not. Um, you kind of have to find someone who's got got one, uh, which I have a contact and Great. he's willing to sell. Uh, otherwise, it's a year wait. So um, don't want to wait that long, uh, obviously. Yeah. But I mean, there, there, there is there, there is a window of opportunity here that we could turn this around pretty quickly which would be remarkable remarkable yeah. in itself um yeah. i'm just you know, i'm just glad like from what we can tell the damage seems minimal and and like i said before like if the ground was hard the plane would be in one piece wouldn't this wouldn't even be a thing really um yeah but you know you just deal with it and move on well and it speaks to the robustness of uh, is robustness a word uh the robust yeah. nature of a uh, of the sukhoi because you had the off-field landing um which was a by the way, I don't think we mentioned, um, you know, the, the actual landing itself. Uh, yeah, you rolled uh, that. You couldn't help that. Uh, rolled the plane over. But a beautiful landing. And their plane, the way it flipped was a very, uh, I don't know, I, symmetrical is not the right word, but just a very forward. Uh, I mean, there was just no, it didn't, no element of cartwheeling really at all. I mean, just went kind of, you kind of kept really good correct, uh, directional control and went just kind of very straight tail over nose um kind of scenario so you know in that regard you know i'm sure there's you know some pounding out of a cowling here and there uh, obviously canopy glass uh and then the tail and engine and prop and hopefully that's that's you know um all there is but make no mention of the fact that this thing was cr- uh helicoptered out of the field you know yeah. th- this thing's a tank they're, they're absolute tanks no yeah. other airplane would have fared like this no you know i was talking to um andrew Jabal the other day um who I don't know if you know him. He flies. I think you might know him, Jeff. He flies a one design. Uh, that sounds really familiar, actually. Yeah, yeah, good guy. Super, you know. Uh, he reached out to me and just, just you know, just said like, "Hey, man," you know, like just sh- sharing his support. And he, you know, he made a interesting because I fly on a one design. I got you know two hundred hours on a one design. Yeah. And he asked about like I've always questioned whether or not I would do that in a one design. I said, if you have the option, jump unless you've got unless you've got like i would have considered jumping um i was talking to uh brent handy the other day who's a former snowbird and f-18 guy he still flies in the air force he's an instructor but he also has uh 
there's a three formation three team formation pits team um okay. called the northern stars so it's kind of like yes. the northern lights yeah yep 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 great guys uh, i was chatting to him the other day and and he uh uh he asked me did you consider jumping like like you did and i said no but if i was anywhere else i might have like if i was over the lake and i and i, and I lost the the motor i would have what i would have done is head towards the shoreline and then immediately 180 turn and then jump yeah it's super frigid here right so but i was you know telling andrew like yeah you gotta you know that's a very careful consideration because uh there was a guy who had a one design actually who flipped over and he died broke his neck similar yeah. to how i flipped and uh you know you gotta be careful of these things the biplane's different because you got that top wing to protect you but, well and um, that's why i asked because and and i always kind of go through this this kind of thought process when somebody whenever you ask that question um in a various aerobatic airplane monoplanes especially is like okay if you lost the engine right here what would you do and where would your thought process be you know we most of the time we we tend to think of an engine failure and we want to take take the airplane down to the ground and you know almost inevitably if you if you if you were over the beach um with uh an airplane like this and you had to put it on the sand you're going to flip if you go into the water you're going to flip um soft ground you're going to flip so thinking about the idea of flipping in in these various airplanes one design's terrifying you have you, there's you're a, you're above so much of the fuselage in a one design there's several airplanes like that where you're so above like you know a cap that yeah. would be a terrible airplane to flip. Um, Suka 31. Suka 31 would be a terrible airplane to flip. Sorry, the extras. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's true. It, it's absolutely true. You know, it's like the SC, at least you, and, and most extras, at least you have that, um, the, the, the steel tube um, that kind of contours uh, and makes the shape for the turtle deck. You know, turtle deck would just shatter anyway. Um, there's nothing structural there, but at least you have that, that part that's maybe above your head. Um, a little bit, but you always, I always think about drawing that line from the vertical stab, um, basically to kind of the, the nose of, or, or wherever the airplane would lay on the cowling, you know, in the event of a flip over. And it's like, you draw that line and you look at where you sit in a lot of these airplanes. It's not a comforting thought. Um, and I never, I never, I always assumed in the pits, it's like, you have that top wing, just as you said, it's like, you know what, that you're going to sit on the top wing and the vertical stab, you're going to be just fine. In fact, you could almost if the canopy broke, you could almost crawl out without having somebody lift the tail in, in a, in a, maybe in a, that the, the right situation, but it's terrifying to think about some of these airplanes. And and honestly, I, it changed my thought process a lot to be a little more prone to potentially bailing out depending on where I was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I had a friend of mine who, um, he, uh, I mean, Jeff, you know, Larry Owen, right? The Buca master. <laughs> who? Oh, Andy. Larry, yeah. Yeah. Larry. yeah, oh. yeah. Larry and Andy. Yeah. Andy's an yeah. assassin. I mean, if he came on the Canadian aerobatic team, I would just like nobody, I, nobody should even show up to face you guys at that yeah, point. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. We, yeah. we had a good duel last year in our contest. Um, yeah. Yeah. He he sold his pits, so he's going to fly his dad's Bruca. Um, but Larry has had uh, an off field landing in the pits before. And he said, you know, it's like, it's different. The top wing it was easy. I just flipped over and I got out. Nothing happened. Yeah. Right? Not event so yeah but these single single you know these monoplanes it's a little bit different so you gotta be, there are a lot of careful considerations what may seem like a good idea in the moment and might not be um yeah yeah it's uh it's not easy this is not an exact yeah. science You're no with the human no. mind right 
And it's um, not I, neither neither decision is potentially ideal, right? Like the idea that that, that you're going to jump out of an airplane, you know, uh, Marco Bao did it without question, and it saved his yeah. life absolutely for sure. He was over water, and that's that's a hundred percent the decision I would have made. Um, obviously, he had structural failure. There, there's there was no there was no way he was bringing that airplane uh, to the ground, whether he wanted to or not. But um, you know, you you have to hope that rig opens, and we uh, we saw that. Um, Gosh, was that a Halconi's? Um, I'm trying to think. We we did have somebody years back jump and Nigel. and the no no no, but the rig didn't open. Um, oh. and I'm just trying to think of the situation. And it's it was a while ago, but like you know, you got to hope that survival rig opens, that your bailout rig opens. Um, you got to hope that you don't hit the tail or hit something coming out. You know, you know, you go back to Sean Tucker's bailout. Um, that was under control. Had all the time in the world to prepare, and I think he still broke his ankle getting out of that thing. Um, and he's so lucky he had a helmet too to kind of be nailed him, I think. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it did. So you know, that's a that's a you know, it's not it's not just as simple as getting away from the airplane like we talk about, you know, in a vacuum on the ground. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just release the canopy and jump out. It's like that's not that's not how it is it's going to go by a long shot. But uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. you know, I I look at these canopies though, I, like I, like two two seat extra bubble canopies. I'm just like this. You know, I think about a bird hitting it. it. It's so much glass and so much volume of unprotected or false sense of protection, false sense of security yeah. that it gives that it's it's actually uh, I don't know. I think about it more and more. Yeah, I lost again. I mean, it's fucking, it, it's, it's yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. It's scary. <laughs> there are. Yeah, it is. It, it, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It is scary. And then, I mean, the whole idea of bailing, too, is also an, an interesting discuss, discussion in its own right, because. Yes, it is. Okay, you bail. Where's the plane go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like as a, as a pilot, you also got a responsibility to protect those below you. So if you if you bail, uh, OK, you might be OK, but then guess what? That plane's going to end up in someone's living room. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's 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 it's. it's, it's yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, this whole discussion is super interesting to me and it's something you can talk about for days because there yeah. are, really are no black or white answers, you know? No, no. So much gray. There's there's too much gray, and that's the problem. <laughs> it's, it'd be great yeah. if it was just a formulaic outcome, right? You know, like this happens, you do this, this, and this, and this is the outcome, and it's just it'll never be like that. It's too dynamic. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, like it's, you know, just, um, you know, excited about, the whack that I know the team Canada is. We're trying to get flying here. It's it's been uh some of us are flying more than others for sure. But well, I gotta yeah. tell you, Luke, Luke is um, you know, that little teaser video he he posted in the SC, and I know he doesn't have a whole lot of time in it yet. Um oh my god. He needs I, to go home. It just you know he's so impressive. I I'm I mean I'm such a huge fan of him, but I think you yeah, um, you might be you guys has, fan. I, I'm gonna say that, yeah. I, 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 and I have been forever. I, how long have I been talking about how how impressive he is? Um, if Luke, been, if Luke gave you an autograph card signed, that would be on your mantle in forever. I'd put it in the shrine for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I, I if love you get Luke. another pet. You're naming it Luke. <laughs> I'll name it Luke. <laughs> um, yeah, Luke's I, in the uh, video yesterday of him flying this uh, full sequence uh, in the SC, and I told him I said this was the best birthday present I could get today. <laughs> <laughs> oh man because i mean that's he awesome. was i mean he uh, just seeing him enjoy it right like that's his that's his yeah. dream bird and and uh you know this w- w- so this year we're doing um 
we're trying to have the Canadian nationals in Manitoba every year. We, we alternate between East coast and West coast. Um, I'm like, no, just put it in Manitoba because it's central. Centralized. Everyone wants, to, everyone wants to go there. I mean, it's always still logistically is pain in the ass for us, but that makes the most sense to me. So the, I think the whole team first time ever is going to be like in Manitoba to compete, which will be very interesting because that's cool. We're all going to be training super hard and it'd be interesting. That, and we're doing a week training camp prior to the contest. So, you know, be interesting to see how that all nets out. You guys have a great team. I mean, you guys, you guys are, you're all, uh, I, I know I'm just like, I'm fluffing up you guys too much, but hum, humans, oh, we, we love it. <laughs> human wise, you guys are great people. You guys are, you guys are all, you're a fantastic team and man, you guys can fly your fucking asses off. It's going to be so much fun to watch you guys this year. I, I can't uh, wait. We appreciate that. Like we're, we have a pretty good team and we, we get along really well and, it's a great dynamic. It's been a long time coming. I mean, you guys have always been sure great. has. And um, you know, when you announced that you guys are doing the uh, advance and everything, I think it's going to be a great kickstart um, to keep it going. You know, and yeah, build I mean, up another team for sure. Well, we're actually, I, I think, a lot of us are going to move to unlimited next year. So, you know, we may even have an unlimited team for the next WAC that's close to Canada. Like, I think, I think WAC to do to be in North America in the next five years at least. Don't get me started, WAC. <laughs> that's a very sore topic <laughs> let's talk about northern lights come on like you guys keep on Sorry. i feel like you're doing it let's, on purpose let's, well, let's close it up with northern lights though let's cl- let, no, no let's, yeah. we'll wrap this up we're we're, we're coming up on let's the end of our time anyway finish let's finish we'll finish on a good note um that um the northern lights are coming back yeah i mean like we're talking like luke's Moving to unlimited, Ryan's moving to unlimited. Like everybody's coming to unlimited now. That Jeff wants to fly unlimited. So cool. Thank you guys so much for increasing <laughs> the competition. Like so happy. So yeah, I, think, I think we want, we want to set a new precedent for aerobatics in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, how how quick an American unlimited pilot can enter and exit a category. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do fine. Uh, you can, you're gonna come to our contest, Jeff. It's so close. Yeah. No, I actually might. I, I might because um, I've always wanted to go to Canada and it's it's kind of close to me. Um, and where you close. mapped it out, it's closer than going to uh, nationals. It's oh, just definitely. follow the sm- the scent of maple syrup and denim, fresh denim, fresh, denim. like like fresh cut denim. Yeah, love it. Um, love it. So, are you on the Northern Light Aerobatic team, Ryan? And you can feel free to lie. <laughs> you can blink allow, twice. You can, just make make up anything just to get the stories going. Sure. Yeah, we're gonna restart the Northern Lights. Um, it's actually happening. I got confirmation. No, it's it's confirmed. They're oh, is back. it? Yes. No way. Yes. What are they flying though? Are they gonna don't fly, act uh, surprised. Oh, this is so he's so fake right now, Mark. He's been, he's so acting yeah. like he doesn't know. Exactly I I thought this would know. be like this. You is oversold like, it. You totally oversold it. Oh man, do you so, really so not know? Are you the lead? No, I actually, I actually don't know. You're which lead, is, aren't you? Which is actually, which is surprising because <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty plugged in here. So, you know what, Ryan? Uh, I, you're acting like some stuff has been going on in your life lately. Like, get your shit together get your and shit pay together. attention. Where have you been? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell, man. Um, yes, they're coming back. Wow, what are they flying? Game birds or uh, something else? NGs. And that's all the time we have for us today. <laughs> is that why? Was it that purple NG that we saw? Yep. Nice. The There's same team four, members or different? Four more, four more NGs just like him. Um, we don't know who the team members are yet. Well, Andre Flority is definitely on the okay. team. That'll be one. Yeah, I would bet 
Oh, that's what this is perfect. Uh, to segue to close up because we'll, we'll wrap in like 10 minutes, right? Yeah, cool. So, Andre Lorty is definitely on the team. I would bet there's a really good shot that Mario is uh, who was on the Nord Lights in the 90s yep. is on the team again. Um, so that leaves three open slots. So, who I know my picks, um, but Ryan, who do you think is going to be on a team, or who do you think who would you want to be on a team? I mean, I'll put my hand up for that. That'd be awesome. Yes, I would vote that. <laughs> oh, I would totally vote you in. I'll do that. Yeah, get get some of the team guys on there. They're all yeah. pretty decent formation pilots, so I'm sure we can make it work. Um, there should be a vote. I think so. I mean, that, but man, I'm surprised that that's even possible because I mean, the expense and the like. What's the ROI on that? Because like, an air shows aren't necessarily thriving like they used to. Negative two point three million. Yeah, like you do it for love. I think unless you have a really amazing sponsor. But we all see how that goes. Like if, if the economy goes to shit, then businesses are going to pull out of their investments, right? Yeah. I don't even know if you want to call that an investment. That's just well, you got to wonder who's going to be a title sponsor too for that. You know, like it is Andre. It, I mean, they had Discovery Wings, you know, as a sponsor. There's a few little sponsors uh, for the Northern Lights, but really the Northern Lights were the Northern Lights. Andre was the, I guess, the main benefactor, right? Of I believe so. Yeah. Um, of that team and. I, I would I don't know if that's going to be the same t- thing this time around. Like, is that business model going to be the same? You know, yeah. Well, I think his ha- main business is he does military contracts with jets. You know, he he does like a like aggressor aggressor squadrons. So you know, um, pretty sure that's a profitable business if it's done right. Um, yeah. So maybe that's why. But regardless, it's coming to town, and it's coming. I will definitely go to an air show to go see that shit i can't wait i i'm i can't wait i'd love to get a picture of uh my airplane next to a new i knew Northern you were gonna say airplane. that I, I, I i know i know i wonder why they chose uh ngs though not game birds how I mean, dare I'm, you I, wonder I, why I, I, how I know, dare I you wonder extra, why extra fanboy but um <laughs> i'm thinking like just honestly yeah, I no i i i kind of hear your um I, I don't i don't disagree with your question you know because what i would love no because honestly (laughs) i would love i i really wish somebody would do this you know it's like the ng has been this a little bit of an enigma right you know dagmar bought one brought it to um nationals other than that you haven't really seen one they're like this elusive thing we're like okay yeah somebody bought one they're selling there's a wait list there's like like i don't know if there's as many serials of ngs as there are uh game birds out there but like they're selling and you can't get one right away. So where are they going? Why aren't they at contests? Similar to the game bird. Like, where are they? Um, you know, obviously the demographic is maybe shifted uh, from, you know, the contest platform um, to, you know, more of like a, a leisure aerobatic airplane uh, for somebody that has the money to have a kind of a hot yeah. rod toy. But that be, uh, that being said, it's a super capable. Both airplanes are super capable. I want to see a real comprehensive comparison between the two not to pin side one against side. the other to, yeah honestly i would love to see that because we, what would we be just great is to get it. to get somebody like who is unbiased so like it'd be hard because like you get like a person aaron like mccartan who, yeah but aaron well that's actually really he good flew, he flew he flew both um and like do a get, full video same airport yes. same day back-to-back flights and and fly five hours each airplane. Like like, don't give me an hour flight. I want five hours in each. 
you know, with the same, maybe the same series of sequences. It doesn't have to be a sequence, yeah, same but like, sequence. but like well, the same series of figures. Yeah, can make something. It if it can make it through it, you know that yeah. that's a doozy. But um, I, I really would like to see that because obviously both are very capable, and we were super excited to see the game bird uh, with Sean Tucker's team in AWS. But COVID hit; they pulled out, and then um, Confluent pulled out. So Sean sold the airplanes or is selling the airplanes, and um. I think all hopes and dreams of seeing a, a game bird multi-ship formation team on the airshow circuit's gone. Uh, so now our next hope is we get to see a five-ship NG formation team with the Northern Lights, which is cool. No matter what they were going to pick is so cool. But the fact that they went with extra again for, uh, you know, for all the feels, hashtag in the feels uh, is awesome. You know who but, I would love to see on the Northern Lights? I got my three. Okay. Goody good. Goody good. Bourbon. And McCartan, along with Andre and Maria. Can you pick? Can you pick Americans though for the Northern Lights? Yeah, make uh, on it. Unfortunately, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not that I know That's about it. Luke knows about it, and Neil knows about it. Like we, we all know about it now. So <laughs> more yeah. interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I think they should do public tryouts. That's what I think. Yeah, I was a little pit. I was a little pissed at extra, like. They tried to like do this post where it's like, oh, it's so like, I wonder what's coming, blah, blah, blah. Like, come on. Like, you got to be better than that to get one past us. Like, the, the, the end just... number was right there along well, with telling the formation who... team, and it's a pink airplane or pink they said, reddish. Well, they said, Walter said, like, you know, can't say who it is, but uh, uh, what was it? Like, a significant civilian air show team is coming back. What other there's never been a significant air show team before or since. What was what was a bigger civilian air show team than the Northern Lights? Like in terms of its funding, its scope, yeah. Um, the way well, the team the, operated. Uh, a Holiday Inn Aerobatic team. The what? Uh the Holiday Inn Aerobatic team. Oh, yeah, but that wasn't that did man, I don't know if that can hold a candle to the Northern Lights. No, uh, no. They had, but it was close. I mean, not close, but it was up there. Um, it's up there, I guess. You know, the Patriot Red Jet Red team Baron. is up there. Red Barons. Red Barons, yeah. That's up there. Um, but not a five ship, right? They were weren't right. they a three ship? Um, so I'm thinking like, okay, five ship, um important civilian air show team. Boy, I, yeah. I mean it just uh, can't be let let me think, guys. Who of, of the four hundred, who are you talking about? So how do you guys know it's the Northern Lights? Like, have you actually got confirmation, or are you just assuming? Because we freaking know everything, Ryan. You just... We actually, we actually did get confirmation. Okay, you got confirmation. But th- there's too many things that line up. The uh, the tail number being uh, all the tail numbers. There's five. They all end in AL. All okay. five. Uh, Andre Lorty. Um, Andre Lorty. Um, the color, the base color without vinyl, checks out. And Walter, I should look back at the post because from the way he said it, it was like, oh, there's just no, there's no way it couldn't be that team. Cause there's just never Ryan, been, I still feel like Ryan's on the team. He might he be. Did, he didn't know anything about like, come on, man. Come on. I mean, I think Ryan at one point said, what are the Northern lights? I think that's what he said. I think I remember yeah. hearing him say that. Maybe, maybe I blacked out for a second, but I think that's what he said. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> 
Um, no, I, so nothing official has been announced other than, you know, Walter's um, picture of it, but we have confirmed on the back end that, um, that it is true. Um, here, hold on. So I just pulled up, I just pulled up uh yeah. Okay. The third of a series of five extra NGs being built for the resurrection of a famed formation aerobatic team. Oh, okay. If it's way. not, if it's not the Northern lights, I will light my extra on fire. How about this? If it's not the Northern lights, you have to fly a contest. Promise me that. That's a good deal. I don't, okay, I, I, I don't want to take that risk. I, I know Rob offered, <laughs> I know Rob offered the coach. Yeah, like that's an awesome opportunity. Like, I mean, again, <laughs> not just coach, coach him, safety pilot him, and meet him at a contest. Well, that's kind of like safety. Pilot, I mean, that's that's like, a trifecta. Yeah, <laughs> not good enough. Guarantee it's not good enough for uh, the pamper Pollard. No, no, I need more. I need more. <laughs> are you are you guys going to the U.S. Nationals this year? Um, it depends who's going for me. So no. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I I I I planned no, on it. I'm going. Um, but my the second like, basically three months out of the year, so like the from June to September, um, I'm going to be typing in the 737. Now I was supposed to do it at the end of the year, but they decided to retire the Airbus early. So everybody that was going to go at the end of the year is going in June. So I start June 22nd and I don't, I'm going to be on kind of a structured schedule for the next three months. So I think I'm going to miss it. Unfortunately, I had planned to go, but I don't think I'm going to go. I'll be there. Are you going to go right? Cause it's kind of like yeah. back to back with the world. So yeah, that's the plan. Luke and I are gone. Hell yeah. Oh. Yeah. So um, vomit. No, yeah, we're, 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 we're going back and forth on it for a while. Cause we're like, well, you know, it's interesting. You, obviously, we listen to you guys and and you talk about, I mean, the U.S. team have been, they're on their second training camp, third training camp. Like, they've been training pretty hard, which yeah, is great yeah. to see. Like, they're go, going go for them. it. Good for them. But, you know, we also realize it's a long season. And that was, that was, that was um consideration for us. Um, obviously, we have weather constraints here, which make things interesting. But, you know, Luke and I were like, well, if we go to the U.S. Nationals, like, I'm worried about burnout, like, you know, peaking at the right time is extremely important. Training smart is important. So, yeah. but we both decided that we really wanted to do it, um, especially because it's our last year in advanced together. So we thought, well, let's just, just go and take a crack and see if, see if one of us can, can, can win it. Um, I think oh, Luke's yeah. in good, good position for sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm going to get like first time ever, I'm going to actually have coaching this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to help. Um, but but yeah, that's the plan. Go to the US Nationals and then come home, take a take a break, and then get ready again for the Worlds. Yeah. Who I else is it. coming to Worlds that you know about besides um, the Americans? Like uh, I heard the, I heard the Germans are going. I heard there's might some, some of the Brits might be going. I've heard Very Brazil, cool. Japan, because uh, Endo and uh, well, I forget the other German's name. Um, they're going for Japan. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I think. There might be a couple more. I'm not I'm not sure, but I, I think it's it should. Like I, I really want the French there because to me, like obviously the US, you guys are going to be very uh, extremely competitive. I think I think you're the team to beat, really. Um, but I would love it to would be the nice there. to see the French. It would be, it'd be really nice to see the French there um, on not European turf. And I know that sounds weird, or maybe like uh, um, I, I don't know. Um, 
like a loaded statement. It's just more of like not having that kind of home country advantage and having the logistics that the U S does with time changes. Yeah. uh, Cause it, it it matters. It matters. Yeah. Are you guys on treat? Yeah. We're Uh, on treat. Sorry. (laughs) Hello. Um, yeah, they should. They should absolutely go. I mean, I, I love. I would love for the Russians to be there too. But obviously, they can't. Um, I, I mean, the more the merrier because I want it to be a really good world contest. You know. Yeah. Now that's exciting, man. We're we're Mark and I are both super pumped for it. We're definitely not going to go, but we're going to say we're going to go to hang out. But maybe <laughs> we'll go. Um, but yeah, we're uh, we're excited, and uh, I'm really excited for you guys. Um, now. Uh, uh, like it's a little bit of drama right now with you with with what airplane are going to be flying which is like good drama meaning like kind of following the story and and, and seeing uh seeing what you end up in when you fly there and uh you know luke flying with new airplane and gosh there's just so much good old stuff coming out of the northern pipeline um <laughs> oh yeah we're, we're, we're committed we're, we're in it to win it for sure like um yeah. you know, i speak for on behalf of the team like we're we're obviously there to have a good time, but we're, we're obviously there to make it put a dent into things and, and in a good way, not like I did recently. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> too soon, I don't know. Um, but nah. yeah, we, yeah, we want to we want to win the gold. Like that's the plan. We're not we're not half assing this. So. Oh, you heard it here. I love it. I love I it. I want to get Marco. I, I want to get Marco on and uh, just have him just trash talk you guys, and then you yeah, I was actually chatting to Marco there. last night. Yeah, I was chatting him last night actually. Yep. You should do that. Yeah, um, we'll get him on next. Oh yeah, yeah he's a <laughs> he's a riot. He's got lot, lots of energy. He's not uh, even American, so whatever. Well, you know, you tell him he's American, it gets him upset because he's. Uh, I remember when I was at US Nats and I'm like, yeah, you're you're actually American, though, right? You're not you're not British. <laughs> he's like, oh no, I'm British. Sure, he's a weirdo. He's a weirdo. Oh, um, yeah. Well, let's let's stick a pin in this thing. Um, Ryan, we're so glad that you're here to be able to talk to us and share your story. Yeah, it makes two of us. Yeah, no, <laughs> it makes a lot of us. It makes a lot of us. Um, keep us posted on the progress of the airplane. We'll uh, definitely get you back on when the airplane's back up and running. But how can people, um, you know, reach the GoFundMe or or give you money um, or help or give you leads, whatever you need? Um, how can they contact you? Yeah, sure. Like um, again, on the GoFundMe, like only only donate if you feel like you want to. Like I, I, I that's not my expectation, um, so I'm not even going to plug that. Um, but the uh, I, I'm sponsored by Los Aviator Coffee, uh, incredible sponsor, been a huge huge help, uh, great partner. So if you if you like coffee, try them out. They're absolutely phenomenal. Um, and if you use my coupon code uh, Kaha, that's K A H A ten. Uh, you'll get 10% off your first order. So definitely do that. It's, uh, incredible coffee. I love that stuff. Um, I was a customer before I even got sponsored from the, by them. So check it. them out. And then if you want to follow the progress on the Souk, um, you can follow me on YouTube, Kaha Aerosports or Instagram. Again, Kaha Aerosports. And uh, I'll give you all the updates. I love it. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Um, thank you for coming on, Ryan. Thank you to Lift Aviation for... Uh, sponsoring the podcast and being an awesome supporter of aerobatics liftaviationusa.com use the promo code flycoolshit at checkout for 25% off most items also thank you to fly good merch uh go get some fly good don't suck merchandise 
Use the promo code ACRO, A-K-R-O, at checkout for 10% off the entire website. Go buy some uh, Fly Cool Shit t-shirts, flycoolshit.com slash merch. And go, uh, you know, this they're not even a sponsor, but go uh, subscribe to Flight Chops. Go watch Ryan's video. Go watch all the Flight Chops videos. He's awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, go subscribe to Ryan's YouTube channel uh, and follow progress on the Sukhoi. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. We'll keep you We'll keep you updated. When Brian gives us updates, we'll give you updates. Like when he announces that he's on the uh, Northern Lights team, we'll let you guys what know. Are, what are the Northern Lights? Give me a break. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 